IATSE Local 212 represents over 1,000 artists, technicians, and craftspeople working in Southern Alberta's entertainment industry. In the screen industry, they service projects with budgets ranging from $100,000 to $100 million. Recent increases to local production volumes have led to increased outreach and training. They promote respectful workplaces, safety, fairness, and first-rate benefits for their members. Local 212 is open to partnering with other industry stakeholders on training and marketing initiatives. They offer an informative set etiquette course each month, which is open to all. To learn more about them, please check out their website at iatse212.com or like and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Happy podcasting. Hello, welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Hey, it's episode 99 uh, of real episodes. Yeah, know, we, like proper and numbered episodes. Yeah, we had, we've yeah, had some feature yeah. film files. We've had uh, the story half sessions when we, when we were yeah, first kind of kicking yeah, There's off. been some bonus material sure. here and there, sort of. But uh, what do we do on this podcast, Scott West? Well, we talk a lot, and especially there's in this episode. This one is going to be a long one, so brace yourselves. Mm-hmm. Just skip ahead to the stuff that you're interested in. <laughs> um, but we talk about the film industry. Uh, whether that's you know media production uh, or any sort of motion picture arts um, in Alberta, throughout Alberta. That's right, yeah. And we're two filmmakers ourselves, and we're on a mission to tear down the silos uh, in our industry and get everyone you know familiar with each other and talking, and uh, you know just bring our industry a little bit closer together every week. Mm. Part of that is through news, and part of that is through uh, interviews and conversations with filmmakers throughout our province. And this one I'm really excited about. This is a good one. Yeah, it's, this uh, one. Yeah. Uh, Gretzky 99 is yeah. a pretty fitting um, person on, on the show, as you, as you probably know, already know. I don't know who that is. Is that like an Edmonton <laughs> thing? Yeah, it's yeah. only Edmontonians know. But, um, yeah, no, but it, it, it is fitting. He's uh, he's kind of a legend in uh, in the Southern Alberta uh, filmmaking of world. Of course, absolutely. Um, and not just because he's an instructor at SAIT, um, but also because he's a he's an incredible uh, cinematographer and uh, involved in the community in many ways uh, outside of just uh, instructing, but also uh, the CSIF, which we talk about a lot. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that conversation, um, we should uh, talk about the fact that uh, Jonesen is is still. Moving along, it is moving along. <laughs> You've been doing some. I've been working on it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are like, "How's post going?" I'm like, "Not even started." Not happen- but now yeah. it's kind of started. It's kind of started. Yeah. So yeah, people, you know, when we wrap, people are like, can't wait to see it. And I'm like, "Ah, fuck me neither." <laughs> yeah. I cannot wait to see this movie. I'm so excited. Um, and you know, the the film center was was very generous, and they gave us money for production. Yes. And we did production, and now we're we're all about going out and and raising money for post production. And it's going pretty well. And a tool that we recognized early on that we need is some sort of sizzle reel. You know, we've got this, all this footage, enough to make the movie. Um, so why don't we cut something together that kind of shows what it looks like, what it feels like. Um, so I've been sitting uh, in an editing room with Ken Filowich. Yeah. And God damn, is he ever good. I'm just watching. <laughs> like, you know, we're just going through all the footage and we're just chatting about it. And he's just pulling in clips. And, you know, what he's looking for is like a variety of different looking shots and like, he was like, we should have like moments within this where we're like introducing each character. And he's like, look at this shot where this character like walks through a door. And ah, I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like nice. I, there's just so, so much that I I would have never thought about killer, ever. Killer. That he just, you know, just he's just done this so many times and he's just such a pro and and uh, an expert at this. So nice. Not only like the creative stuff, but just watching him like at that editing station. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
gave me goosebumps. And it was nice to see uh, the stuff that he was pulling together because I was like, oh, damn, like this, this looks like it's an awesome movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much we got into it with with our in- interview with him, which I super encourage anybody listening to uh, to go and check out episode. I don't know what number, but with Ken Filowich. Ken Filowich, yeah. Um, because because I think people editing is an interesting film job because it's a very like oh I know the the technical side of After Effects and sure and uh, Abbott, Da Vinci or, this or, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I can I can do all that, but that's an easy cover for what editing really is, which is, which is feeling right. Which of course, is yeah. choices about timing and heart and right. emotion. And, and that's all, that's all easy to cover with. Well, I'm an editor because I, I have a, I know how to do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but an editor like Ken is, is, uh, is a storyteller uh, and a heartstring yeah. puller. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and he yeah. knows when you hold on a look, what it does to, to an audience. Right. Right. And that's why, that's why I'm so, so, um, firm on the fact that a director should not edit her or his own work mm-hmm. because I, you know, you need a director comes at this. Once you've shot a movie, you've got just this ball of clay and a director comes with all these preconceived notions about what it should be because they built this ball of clay, but an editor sees it for what it is and what you actually got. Right. And they're able to pull a look out of a, out of an actor that you, that a director may never have considered ever, and nor would they ever consider. Right. And it's the that you know this actor comes through a door, and that what a great like meet this character moment that I just never would have or could have considered. I'm way too deep into it. Right, you need right. someone who's got that objective. Like here yes, are the, yes. here's the body of work that we've got. How do we make a movie right. out of this? Because you're thinking about the scene, and that entrance is about that scene. Yeah, but, exactly. But you know, from for, from this perspective, in a sizzle yeah. reel, you can use that however you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just yeah. So you you absolutely need that objective person who was not there on set and does not know how much blood, sweat, and tears went into this shot. Because right. guys, it's not a great shot. Like right. let's just lose it from the movie. It's like, but it's it, we took you know 12 hours to get this. <laughs> He's there serving the movie, not right. the production. Right. Uh, and it's just wonderful to, you know, especially a guy like Ken, who's so, so great at it. Uh, that's a good, we talk about idioms on this, on idioms, this episode yeah. with, with Phil. And that's a good one, I think, to serve the movie and the finished film, not the production necessarily. Yeah, I just And you should certainly that. serve the production. So I'm, I'm not saying like, don't, don't take care of the crew and stuff. Sure. But, but absolutely. What, what the final goal is, is the film. The movie. Itself. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and, and yeah, you're right. And I, and I, I can, I can say, I, I've seen directors edit their own stuff and it, and it's it drags, and you, sure. you fall in love with scenes and shots that, that you should cut. Yeah, it's, absolutely, it's really hard. And I, you know, we're we're speaking in general terms. Of course, sure, there are yeah. there no, are directors who can do it very well. Of course, um, but if you think you can, maybe try not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for like, sure. I, or if you do I, normally, you should you should try maybe try letting someone the, else. Do yeah, it. yeah, totally. Um, okay, let's get into some other news. Yes. So uh, you were on a panel that the Calgary Film Center put on. Oh, yes. At the yes. Calgary International Film Festival, mm-hmm. and they were gracious enough to film it. Speaking of Jonesen, we Speaking were talking, of Jones, right, you're talking, talking about, about Jonesen, of course. Yeah. We showed sort of an exclusive scene that was, you know, had no real post-production, just slapping shots, shots together. together. yeah. And it still played pretty well, and, and it seemed to, to generate a little bit of interest in the room, and... Uh, but you cannot see that clip in this oh, good. In, this, good. <laughs> in this video, which is nice. Yeah. And other people showed sort of unfinished stuff as well. And and ultimately, the consensus was let's let's keep that off yeah. of this. But the panel is filled with a bunch of great information, specifically for 
micro micro budget filmmaking. Yeah. yeah. So who else was on it? There's Jillian McCurcher, Jillian Cam McCurcher, McGowan, yeah. Cam, uh, um, Dylan Pierce, Morgan Ermter. Yes, Morgan from Abercadavers, and um, of course Aaron and Aaron from the Film Center. Right. I think that's everybody. They were moderating and, and yeah, chatting up. Yeah. Uh, it's a great watch. A lot of a lot of great like hardcore tips. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and it's on YouTube. You can check out. Uh, I would. You could probably just search Calgary Film Center. CIFF panel or just click the link in the show notes and that will take you there. Yeah. Um, there's some news about this podcast and that is that the podcast is now on Spotify. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which is something that I'm terribly excited about because mm-hmm. um, I don't know why, but someone asked us once, <laughs> is it on Spotify? And we we're like, yeah, probably is. And then it wasn't. And we were just like, what? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was a, it was a process, right? Yeah. 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 And it wasn't as hard as I thought. If you, if you're looking to get your podcast on Spotify, it's pretty easy. If you have an RSS feed, which you should, if you're an iTunes. So, uh, so yeah, now we're just there. Plug it in. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big deal for me um, because that's where I listen to all my stuff. So it's nice to just be plugged into that world. So if you are a Spotify listener and you have to go around uh, your your personal workflow to to listen to this, um, now you here we are it. on yeah. Spotify. So there you go. It's exciting. Uh, let us know if you're listening on Spotify. Yeah, you should tweet us or something. Yeah, or at at mention us. We'll get we'll tell you how at the end of the show. So just hang out for two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we're getting this episode out in time for tomorrow's, uh, Stinger Awards event. I'm so excited. Uh, which is going to be super fun. Um, uh, there, I, yeah, there's all sorts of, uh, fun things. And, and the reason, of course we have one of the reasons, uh, of many, is, uh, that we have, um, Phil on is he's receiving the, uh, friend of the industry, uh, friend of the community award, I should say. So it seemed like a really good time to have Phil on board. Um, uh, someone we've wanted on the show for a yeah. long, long time, yeah. as we say, um, but tomorrow night's event is not just giving Phil an award, although it'll be an important part of it. Um, it's also going to be, uh, a, a number of awards, including, uh, best short film, best, uh, student film, best short doc and long doc and, and, uh, actor and actress. So, uh, quite a few awards being handed out, but also we've got, uh, some tasty treats from the sugar cube, um, some, uh, cotton candy coming in from, uh, I think they're called pretty sweet. Can I say what I'm looking at right now? Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. There's a, there's a board, (laughs) uh, like a sheet of plywood and it's got these pegs on it. Yeah. And in, you know, like 36 hours or less, (laughs) it is going to be a donut wall. Yeah. Which, and uh, I am so excited. Should be interesting. Um, yeah, Sincere and the gang are, are coming to uh, to play some music for us uh, before the show starts off. And president of the CSIF, Brett Furster, and excellent bartender, has created a custom cocktail for the awards called the Scene Stealer, which you can try out. And then we're all going to party at Swan's Inglewood after the show. And the this, this Scene Stealer is, what did you say it was again? It was it's like a, a cherry whiskey cherry sour. Cherry whiskey which sour, which sounds I'm very having. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? It's going to be a super fun night. Um the first of many Stinger Awards, you know, Fava has Fava Fest up in Edmonton and they give the, the Edmonton Film Awards. Um, we just haven't had anything like that uh, in Calgary as long as I've been around. Yeah, there may have yeah. been something in the past Maybe, that, yeah. that I'm not aware of, but yeah. Yeah, so I'm really excited. Uh, congrats to everybody who was nominated um, and I'm looking forward to seeing everybody there. Yeah. And and yeah, it's cheap. Like the tickets are like 24 bucks 25 bucks 20 bucks 20 bucks and you get some swag and you get a drink yeah that's right i forgot about that you get a bag with uh with stuff in it uh there's a a sweet enamel pin yeah it's like you cannot it's very cool yeah yeah. you cannot uh, yeah and you get a drink ticket for the after party as well and it's a networking event that's right which um csf members have been asking for so here is one yeah and and it's the first event (laughs) so so so, uh we hope everybody will come out and and support it um because uh csif and the staff and the board and 
a lot of people have been working really hard on this to to make it a success. So hopefully it becomes an annual thing. Is the, Absolutely. Is the goal. There, um, as, as we record this, there are still uh, 62 uh, tickets remaining. So yeah, maybe get yours. Uh, maybe less. There are they're going pretty quick actually. Yeah. They are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and the CSAF is looking for volunteers still. That's right. For yes, the, for this event, you for can the still, event. So uh, help out, yeah, yeah. Um, if you if you know if you need some CSIF hours or you want to come and you don't want to pay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, consider volunteering. Absolutely, you'll, you'll get a free uh, toque, CSIF mm-hmm, branded mm-hmm. that uh, you can wear and keep. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, I created a, an easy link to find to get to the tickets. It's bit.ly, the, a bit.ly link, bit.ly slash the Stinger Awards. So, oh, cool. I'm sure you can find the link in the show notes as well, though. But yeah, if you want to volunteer, that's a really good point. Um, uh, we definitely need some help there still. So uh, feel free to reach out to uh, programming at csaf.org. Uh, that's Katie um, who can uh, set you up. Yeah, or, or tweet at them or, or reach yeah, out on totally, Facebook. Uh, totally. And they have a sign up link. Um, at signup.com where you can where you can fill out a volunteer uh, spot and that link is in the show notes as well. Yes. Okay, there's a crowdfunding campaign going on right now for a new comedy series. Uh, writer, director, and Ampia member Blake McWilliam is raising funds through Indiegogo. I've seen this, yes, and I've actually chatted with Blake a little bit about it. This is like quite a passion project. He's uh, he's yeah. really, really invested a lot, uh, I think personally, and and his he says his life savings as well. So... Um, would be a good uh, project to help out. Yeah, absolutely. So it's called Timberwood, uh, and a free pilot episode is available on the project's page on Indiegogo, a link to which is in the show notes. Um, of course, as any crowdfunding campaign, there's a number of incentives available to donors contributing to the completion of the series. And the series is based on Blake's own experience as a camp counselor in the Catskills of upstate New York. Oh, cool. Yeah, so definitely check it out. Uh, throw a couple bucks Blake's way. Everything helps, of course, uh, and that is a great way to support our film community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, yeah, so uh, we have another item here, just sort of specifically singling out uh, Phil for his uh, Friend of the Community Award. Um, this is an award that is uh, hopefully going to happen every year if this if this event is a, is a success. It is. Um, it's already a success, isn't it? With <laughs> the ticket so, sales, yeah. 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 Uh, so uh, yeah, and it's and, and it also comes with uh, the the board of the CSIF has the ability to sort of give a member a lifetime membership, um, and so. Uh, that would normally come with this, but Phil is already a lifetime member of the CSIF. So a, a fitting choice, I think, uh, for the first uh, inaugural Friend of the Community Award. Yeah, absolutely. There, he, there's, I mean, he's got a bio, you know, as long as oh, yeah. my legs. Yeah, um, sure. yeah, he's just such a such a, a pillar of our community. Pillar is the right word. And yeah. also, um, you, know, you know, truly a teacher. He's an instructor, but he's a teacher. Like he teaches workshops at, at uh, the CSIF and and he's always there to 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 help help out uh, one-on-one or, or uh, you know, provide mentorship. And, and he was, he tells a story on, on the episode today about a filmmaker who, who said, Hey, do you know anybody who might want to shoot this? And, and he was like, I would like to shoot. Yeah. It. <laughs> uh, so he's, that's the he's kind of guy he's, he is. He's like a torch in the industry yeah, and totally. you come in, he's there to light the way uh, and then kind of light you on fire as you pass. Totally, um, totally, yeah, yeah. He's great for sure. So we'll get into more with Phil soon. Uh, yeah, the Gil Cardinal Legacy Fund, uh, the recipient Daniel Foreman uh, has enjoyed significant success at two film festivals this month in California. Uh, so Daniel and his Treaty 6 Productions partner Charlene Millang uh, won the award for Best Animation at the American Indian Film Festival in San Francisco. Congratulations. Um, and then their short film Raven and the Dogfish Woman picked up the price for best animated film at red nation film festival in LA. Uh, so congrats to both of those. Yeah, They're on a, on a festival terror. They are. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really exciting to watch that. 
Super big news. Uh, Huge this news. This is kind of yeah. This is kind of a big deal. The People's Choice Awards, which yeah. is you know not the biggest award show in the world, but certainly not it's a small one. It's the People's Choice Awards. <laughs> it's a yeah. big one. Uh, Winona Earp wins sci-fi fantasy TV show of 2018 uh, at the People's Choice Awards. That's kind of crazy. Like I, awesome. I saw that break on social media, and it was like that's huge yeah, i'm so a pretty small show i'm so proud of that show and you know the team that put it together and they've they've created such a cult following mm-hmm. um you know we talk about it every time wonder Herb comes up you know the fans are rabid yeah uh, sure. and i mean that in the best possible way absolutely and they're yeah. they're supportive too they're it's totally. a great fan base like yeah. they're not you know they're not gatekeeping they're not no, uh no. you know they're not being a bunch of douchebags <laughs> like totally. some sci-fi properties so, yeah yeah <laughs> which will remain nameless <laughs> Uh, so congrats to uh, the whole team on Winona. Um, several Ampia members have recently been in the news for exciting career developments. Anna Cooley of Erratic Pictures is among uh, the eight women directors selected to take part in the script development and director mentor training program. Uh, women in the director's chair, uh, story and leadership taking place at the Whistler Film Festival, where she will be developing web series. Uh, Everyone we know will be there. Um uh, Lyland Entertainment. Scott Lepp will be participating in another program. I think it's uh, Island. Oh, it is. You're, yeah, you're right. It's yes. Capital I. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, is also participating in a program at Whistler as one of six independent filmmakers preparing narrative feature projects uh, in uh, Whistler Film Whistler Festival, Film yeah. Festival's Producers Lab. Uh, Scott will be working uh, on Haley Rose, which is the title of the project, as the sole Alberta representative in the program. At a boy, which is great, and at a girl. Yeah. Yeah. Proud of both of you folks. Uh, great to see, you know, Albertans out of Alberta doing stuff. Indeed. Um, speaking of Alberta, the government of Alberta has announced steps to address priorities identified by the arts community. And this is actually first for Canada. Uh, Alberta has declared January the month of the artist. Uh, so this month will be time to recognize and celebrate Alberta's artists. And, you know, they're doing, they're going to be doing a bunch of events, et cetera. And they've also got an artist in residence program that they're setting up, which we'll talk about uh, in upcoming deadlines because you can apply for that. Yeah, that sounds um, cool. And yeah, we encourage everybody to, to join the celebrations in January uh, because, you know, yes, film is commerce and it's an industry, but it's full of artists. So we should be celebrating each other and ourselves. Uh, and, you know, this Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for myself. <laughs> this American this Thanksgiving. American Thanksgiving, I am so proud of the In work honor that of I've Donald done. Trump, who literally said, I'm, I'm thankful, thankful for, for the things I've done. Things I've done for this country, I've... yeah. Uh, we weren't going to get political. We promised. <laughs> we tried. Uh, <laughs> we tried. Um, okay, that's it for the, the big kind of introductory yes. news. We'll get into the news you can use after, which is full of uh, wonderful uh, deadlines and things coming up. Really exciting stuff. Uh, but what I'm most excited for this episode is our conversation with Phil Letourneau. Uh, we we did it in his office, which yeah. is we, we talk about you know to set the stage there. Um, he 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 clearly likes to collect media, yeah, and, of and all documents, kinds. Yeah. and and his mess his mess his desk is a mess. It's full of like binders and and film canisters and, and from Blu-rays to film. It's, it's like a, walking yeah. into a tinkerer's workshop. Totally, and it's, yeah, it's yeah. magical and wonderful, and uh, and he brings that energy to it as well. And uh, he's he's such a great storyteller, and, and it was a great conversation. So hope you enjoy. Phasers on stun. Used to be pagers on stun. Right. Now it's phones on yeah. stun. Oh, I've never even heard that before. I can't, no, believe, I, I can't believe I haven't either. What? Phasers on stun? Turning your phone Turning to your stun. Phone yeah. stun? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I, 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 my Star Trek references. Phasers on stun. I don't even know what my ringtone is. I've never had it on. Yeah. I have rarely. Really? always vibrate for yeah. me. Yeah. I've just got a standard old style yeah. ring, 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 ring phone. Yeah. I hear you. It's, but it's because I, I'm always looking at my phone. So yeah, I've always got so mine in my pocket. Hear the buzz, then where's my phone? <laughs> yeah. And my, so it's attached my to me anyway. because I have the geek pouch. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love the pouch. I, I, I always have a geek pouch. I, I'm just, that's just me. Um, and I get teased by it, about it. But I, uh, I sometimes I don't even feel the buzz because the, the right. It kind of absorbs it. Yeah. It's, there's the clip, but it's not, yeah. if it's not actually on my hip bone, I don't hear it or I don't feel it. Sometimes when I'm traveling, I've got my phone away or gone and I feel phantom buzzes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah. oh, my phone's ringing. It's not even in my pocket. Yeah. That's weird. I've thing. done that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you also have a set of keys that are silenced. I remember seeing this. this. Yeah, there it is. It's like wrapped in what? It's a, it's a, also, they don't jingle. Yeah. yeah, so you don't sound like a janitor. Oh, smart. It's, but you're also on set all the time, so you can be quiet and walk around. <laughs> the wink. Uh, the, the ninja instructor. I remember seeing it when, when I was a student and going like, what a cool thing to have. Like, <laughs> genius for, for an on set. Like police. Yeah. Well, oh, right. That makes sense. We're, we're rolling. And this is the 99th episode of, uh, of our podcast. Ever. That's exciting. It is. It is exciting. It is exciting. It is exciting. And, uh, and a fitting guest for, a, for a, an exciting number. Um, thanks for being here, Phil Letourneau. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. It's been a long time coming. That's yeah, yeah. So many questions. <laughs> questions, questions. We're, we're sitting in your office. Yeah. Here at Sade. Uh, here at Sade. With and all the eclectic. I, I just want to set the stage Eclectic paraphernalia. For the listeners, this is amazing in here. There's there's cans of film everywhere. I think I've ever seen so many cans of film in my life. There's no Steenbeck, sort of surprisingly, but probably only because it's so large. <laughs> right, there was yeah, at some point. There, it would be. A, it's, it's upstairs, upstairs oh, now, okay. right? Um, and there's DVDs of student projects from years past, and um, it's it's like a it's like a magical workshop for a film yeah. lover in here. Um, how long have you been in this particular office? In this office, yeah, in this room. Uh, I think four years. Four years, okay. In this room, right. yes. I think it might have been the first time I ever heard this—the fast, cheap, great Venn diagram that you have on the wall here. Yes, which is you know sort of gospel in in our industry. Well, it's, totally. it's like uh, you, I always tell the students or anybody who's in the you know usually at the CSIF too. You have three options: you can have unlimited time on set. You can have unlimited budget or you can have unlimited quality. Pick any two. Right. right. And and how true is that? That's our own Absolutely. lives too. Oh, totally. Yeah. But that's yeah. film production. It's so true of everything. You yeah, know, it's yeah. like, you want it to look like Ben-Hur. Uh, yeah, but you've got a McDonald's budget. You right. know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Well, then what do you do? You scale back or you become inventive or whatever. Totally. Uh I see there's a third option, a fourth option, um, which is free. <laughs> I had not seen that before. I, I, <laughs> so as it overlaps, they want it free, fast, and great. Yeah. And the, the in the center is go away. It says, in, oh, yeah. in the center it says impossible utopia. Ah, yes. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> so, so that's fast, cheap, gr- and great. And right. Impossible it's utopia, yes. fast, cheap, and great. That's filmmaking. We all love right. to, to do we, what we, we can. We try to get there. Yeah, we do. We try to get there, but um, inevitably we fall in one of the other circles. Well, it's such a Herculean effort to make a film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you think, of, as you so two, true. as you two will know, it's a yeah. Herculean it's a, any effort. Any film that exists is a miracle. Yeah, yes, it really is. The existence of it, like, is it defies everything. It defies nature. Yeah, um, I, which is why I'm I'm so frustrated when when people are hard on films critically. Um, I just wish we would all remember that it's it's kind of a miracle that it happened at all, like you said. Scott. Well, you know, there's the uh, old phrase, uh, 
walk a mile in my moccasins, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's the same thing with football. Everybody, oh, you know, uh, this quarterback could I could have done that. Sure, yeah. If you were you on the field, do you have the <laughs> yeah. uh, all the pressure and all the yeah, uh, variables? Yeah. And uh, filmmaking is the same way. I mean, everybody thinks, oh, that's easy. Just take a camcorder or your your DSLR or your yeah. now your iPhone yeah, and you uh, you make a movie and it's going to be wonderful. Right. It's going to have surround sound and 3D and everything else. And Just how hard can it be? Screenplay over yeah. the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just how hard can it be? Well, yeah. no, it's a, it's a Herculean effort, and, is, and for yeah. anybody to make a film, it's just to make that commitment is is admirable at the bare minimum because you're putting your life on hold, your relatives on hold, your mm-hmm. friends, whatever, and you're committing yourself to something that is a passion project 99% of the time, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you want to do a great job, and you want to you know make your mark. Totally. And it's yeah. tough. Yeah. You're such a wealth of these idi- these film idioms, and uh, and uh, I was trying to remember uh, one back from when we were students. Uh, but there's so- anyway, there are so many. But why don't we why don't we start at the beginning? Uh, you're you're receiving this award, the Stinger Awards, uh, yes, the, I, the Friend I, of the Community Award, I, um, which is very exciting, and and it's being put on by the CSIF, and and I I just wonder, was your I, I know you were hanging out at the CSIF pretty early on. It's 40 years old this year. Uh, when did the journey start for you in the film world? Was, was it CSIF or was it something else entirely? I was 11 years old in oh, wow. Grand Prairie. Wow. And oh, in, I didn't know you in, from Grand Prairie. Uh, from Grand Prairie, yeah. Alberta. And uh, when I was 11 years old, there was a buddy of mine. He wanted to make, had his dad's wind up regular eight film camera and he wanted to make a little movie of us having a snowball fight. Oh, okay. So I, I ran the camera for him. And and says, so, hey, this is kind of cool. Let's let's make a spoof of a movie. So we did. We made a spoof of the Six Million Dollar Man, <laughs> and, and, and complete with the slow motion running. So oh, that's amazing on an eight millimeter film. I had bor- I had borrowed my dad's movie camera to shoot mum riding bicycles and holidays and stuff like that. I said, Dad, can I borrow the camera? And I was given a camera when I was ten, a photo camera. So and I was always the one threading the camera, the projector for Dad because he used to show us cartoons on film. Oh wow! Woody Woodpecker cartoons wow. and and an old nineteen forty movie called Doctor Cyclops. It was re-edited digest. Huh. But uh, so I was quite kind of young and when I caught the bug. And it's funny, my mom gave me old report cards from elementary school. My grade five uh, math or grade five teacher says. You know, doesn't do well in math and doesn't, you know, really do well in this and that anything, but sure enjoys picking up and, and, and using the projectors and all uh, that kind of thing. So, no, oh, that's okay. That was a year oh, before I started. So, right. Yeah. So it was always there. So then AB after, Club. after we did that, we did our little, um, a little Star Trek spoof, you know, and everything. And uh, mm-hmm. I just, then I saved my paper route money and my dad pay, helped pay for half of our new Super 8 sound film camera. Ooh, wow. And a projector. He says, if you get half the money. I'll pay for the other half. Oh, that's right. So I mowed lawns and whatever I had to do. And then Most we, kids are saving up for a bike. Yeah, no, I wanted <laughs> yeah. I wanted a camera and a projector, so, and then I needed to do keep doing things, paper route money, so I could buy Kodachrome film to shoot on film. Wow. So, and then cool. we made a bunch of movies. Of that's course, awesome. you would need a projector. I never even considered <laughs> this. Right. Like when we got when I got a video camera, you just plugged it into the TV. No, you need a projector, and you, you need, need a viewer projector. and a splicer right. and the yeah, whole. Yeah, you can't edit it on the Super 8 camera and play it back like you can with your phone. Oh, so I started and and. At age 14, I also worked in a camera store selling cameras, but I also... Is this in Grand Prairie still? Is this still in Grand Prairie? And then I, at the same time, 
I also uh, volunteered at the local cable TV station doing live pro- multi-camera programming, wow. learning how to do that. And the guy when who you were taught 14? when I was fourteen, oh, wow. and the guy That's who taught it. me the first first time was a guy named Doug Monroe. Doug Monroe. Why, why does that name ring a bell? He's a cinematographer here in town. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so, wow. up, and he was up in Grand Prairie too. Well, he was back from his second year of film school at York oh, University. Okay. And I volunteered at the cable TV station. Amazing. And we were doing live. You know, he he wanted, Doug loves golf, so we did a multi-camera uh, golfing series, and we did uh, <laughs> parades, and we did you know all just sure. talk shows in studio and all that kind of yeah, thing. And he yeah. went back to university in Toronto, and then in the next year came back and he shot a half-hour documentary on the first Canadian National Hot Air Balloon Races. Oh. He had raised money with a buddy of his to shoot a 16-millimeter documentary, and I, he gave me and a buddy a Bolex 16-millimeter camera says, shoot some B-roll. Wow, cool, so cool. I was shooting B-roll, and then the next year they, they aired it on CBC nationally. So you are so. making CBC oh, documentaries yeah. when you were well, 14? Well, I was participating. <laughs> that was when I was about 15 or 16, I can't remember. But That's I was amazing. participating. Yeah. But you were My, shooting B-roll. You, you had broadcast <laughs> footage when you were 14 years old. Well, well no, that was probably closer to, 15, I think by the time he was done, it was probably yeah. by the time he finished his edit, I was 16. But That's I, incredible. But, but Doug had cool. gone to you know York University, and I was thinking about going to some sort of school sure. to learn filmmaking because... Right. I realized I knew squat. Right. And uh, I thought... Than I knew, most kids at the age. I, I thought I knew stuff, but I knew squat, I realized. I'd read books, but just like, eh, after being with Doug, it's like, there's a whole lot more I don't know. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Here's someone who actually really knows. Yeah. yeah so right. long story short, I ended up, after graduating from high school, I had applied to York University, left Grand Prairie, went straight to Toronto right out of grade 12. Wow. So went to film school. Huh. Cool. How was that program? Oh, it was excellent. It was, yeah. it, was uh, it was four years. It's film and television production, and it was four years of hands-on in addition to theory. Wow! So I was in a TV studio, also shooting stuff like multi-camera studio stuff, also field single-camera video, but also shooting sixteen-millimeter film. And I, I was editing people's films because I took editing class. The one thing I didn't take was screenwriting, and I always, mm-hmm. I've regretted that for my entire life. Huh. Because it you, was a choice. Oh, you could choose. Okay. So oh, cool. I was always either camera or editing. Because that right, right. cho- that's what I used to do when I was a kid. I was the guy behind the camera and right, I was cutting the film, right. splicing it together or sniffing the glue. I mean, I mean, uh, <laughs> gluing it together. Because you have to glue film together too. Glue film together. Wow. Yeah, you want to sniff some some. <laughs> He's got some. Oh, there's a pile of glue there's over there. There's a pile there, of yeah. cement in that. It's mostly empty. Yeah. <laughs> how do you think I make I... it through the day? <laughs> this is something I should probably know, but how, do, how does the glue make it through the projector? Like, how does it not snap? It, it chemically bonds the two pieces of film oh, okay. together. Right. Basically fuses the, the, the two layers together. Cool. But then that's a permanent edit. Right. There's no undo button. Right. How do you test and edit with that? With You wait till it's dry. <laughs> <laughs> so you imagine, see, see, that's the thing that you, you got to realize. And that to me is a bit of a lost art in the, in the whole art of editing. People can see stuff. They can cut it right away. They yeah. can get multiple versions they can undo. And that's great. I think that's phenomenal. When you cut it, when you used to cut on film, you had to think of, you had to watch your footage and you had to imagine the edit first because if you unless you had a copy of the original, you were cutting the original. Wow! So right. if you if you made a cut and you decided, oh, that's not right, uh, you had to actually destroy a few frames of film. Wow, yeah. Unless you had copy of the original, then you could right. re-edit right. and stuff like that. So it just I thought, you know, I love non-linear editing, but it is different than what film editing was as a kid. And, and I don't know if that was a, a good thing to learn or what, because you're really paying attention to the cut. You are uh, uh, at every frame when you're doing linear yeah. editing, right? like every single frame. Well, and you're also paying more attention to the takes on, on set, right? You're rehearsing more and you're, that's true. Yeah. I mean, you guys have shot film. 
Not recently. Yeah. Not recently. But we should get you into, you know, we, we should give you, you know, I'm like a, a drug dealer. I should get you a little bit of Super 8 film. <laughs> it's, it's the gateway film. It is. It's, it's interesting. It seems, it always seems like it's going away, but it always seems like it's coming back at yeah. the same time. There's a, there's a very strong community still interested in, in shooting on, on film. Yeah. And, and we always kind of put you at the, the, the head of that kind of the champion of that whole movement always. You're always the guy who say who who says that film is not dead and, and film will never die. And I wonder um, why you feel so strongly about that. Okay, part of it is certainly emotional. It's the first thing I right. ever used. Right. Uh, had I used started with uh, VHS, it would be oh you know, VHS has never died. We should keep VHS. You know. <laughs> I don't know about that. But but <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. No. Um, Film looks different, and I love I love digital. I really do. Yeah. But it looks different, and it's got this or that organic feel to yeah, it because yeah. it is organic. Yeah. It, it's made out of chemicals and and th- things that change over time, like the dyes and all that kind of stuff. But the the grain structure moves all the time. It's not like digital, where it's a fixed pattern of images caused by the sensor. So film right. is organic. It's got a different feel, a different way it 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 um, produces sound or uh, light and and color and contrast and there's also something, and it's for me, it's a deep psyche thing. The sound of the projector going, you know, which is long gone, but it just it just looks different. It feels different, and people act differently when they shoot film. Yeah, yeah. And and do you mean in front of the camera or behind? No, behind the camera because of what you mentioned. They rehearse more often. They realize, you know, some of my students hate it when I do this, and they say twenty dollars. Thirty dollars, thirty, forty dollars, fifty, right, because yeah, yeah. it's going through the camera that way, and nobody, uh, you, you know, when you think of it that way, yeah, you become there's very. There's a lot more respect for it. There's a lot more respect for it. Every take is more precious, even more. Precious. But there's, but it's just the way it looks, the way it feels, and there's a psyche that surrounds it. I think, it's because it's now so unique, right? It, digital is so easy to do, and right. and, and uh, I shoot digital too. Sure, but when you shoot film, you know, there's just a different mindset, and it somehow feels. I won't say more real because there's still dollars on the line when you're shooting digital, especially on a feature, as sure. you guys will know. Sure. Uh, you know, people cost money, equipment costs money. Sure. But there's just hard drives cost money. Hard drive, same everything, same everything yeah. costs money. But it's just a little more real, I think, when it's film. And it looks great if you if you take the time to invest in learning how oh, to shoot yeah. it. Yeah. Right. And again, if you take the time to invest in just learning how to shoot it, it looks great. And I've often said, if you learn to shoot film well, you can shoot digital even better. Mm, right. Interesting. There's something about uh, something that you said at film school that stuck with me is that the image on on a roll of film is a real image that true. can survive anything. If you mm. hold a light up to it, you'll yeah, see that that's image. True. You digital, can, there's no actual there's image. It's ones that. and zeros. Well, right? so, okay. So I I, I love. There's a lecture I do in the first year, and there's a box up there. It says demo material. Ah. Lecture and demo it, material. Yes, and <laughs> what it is it right is it's a box of obsolete things. Ah, cool. And pieces of film that aren't obsolete. But I go into the obsolete things. I, I start with film isn't perfect. There's a bunch of obsolete film formats that you can't project anymore. There's 9.5 millimeter film, oh, 17 cool, right. millimeter, course, yeah. 22, sure, sure. yada yada. But if you hold it up to all light, you yeah. all you do is hold it up to the light, mm-hmm. shine a light through, put a lens on the other side, and you've recaptured quote unquote the data. Right. Right. right? As right. long as the film physically survives. And then I say, how many people have a, a five and a quarter inch floppy disk? Right. For a computer. <laughs> or a reader for that matter. Or if you have the disk, <laughs> then can you do you have something to put it in? Yeah, and yeah, if yeah. you have that, do you have the software? Right. And if you have right. you know, the machine totally. to put it like right. on so so what happens with the electronic formats is 
they're almost thought of as disposable. Right. Right. Um, it's true. I, I have home videos of, of my oldest son I shot on high eight video. High eight. Yes. High eight. I've, I had a high eight camera. Yeah. I bought a high eight camera. It was yeah. the highest resolution consumer camera you could right. buy at the time. I shot him on super eight film and I shot him on high eight. My high eight camera, there's something wrong with the mechanics inside and it won't play the tapes. Right. You're hooped. But I can play his sound film I shot in the early right. 90s <laughs> of him saying the Humpty Dumpty uh, for, uh, uh, what do you call it? The, the nursery song. rhyme. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was about two and a half years old and he was trying to say Humpty Dumpty what? and I've got that on film and I can still play it. So, analog so, survives. So analog survives, um, and digital is great. And it, you know, you can play it back. You can, as long as you keep migrating it to a new format, or right. you keep the old machines, right, right, yeah. so that you can play the stuff back. The old um, HD cam deck is right behind. Yeah. You. So if you keep the old stuff, you can migrate it to whatever yeah. hard drive. And and it's kind of funny. I've got an example right here. My first year students will be reshooting a project we shot last week on film. Oh no. It wasn't the film that was the problem. It was this compact flash card with all the location sound. We didn't have a backup recorder. That is, we didn't have two methods of recording. We right. just straight to the card. I went to retrieve the audio. The card corrupted itself. It's about eight years old. It's oh, gone. Wow. All their production dialogue is gone. And wow. they're reshooting it now on film. So this morning I gave them a chance. Okay, guys, let's reshoot it. And there was another unfortunate thing with a light meter. And so the, the student had accidentally underexposed it. Unbeknownst to him, somebody had set a menu on a light meter in the un, un, right. underexposed film. It's not his fault. Right. But the point is, the digital audio, gone. Wow. And it's a, it's everybody, it's a compact flashcard. Everybody's, yeah, this is totally reliable. Yeah. Yeah. Even the most solid state, non-moving part digital device, you can Should lose the data. Yeah. Of course. Now, yeah. film is susceptible to things like... Fungus and mold and being sure, dry out, sure. dried out, and well, nothing lasts scratched. forever. Yeah. yeah, right. Nothing lasts forever except for the pyramids. Right, right. So those damn pyramids, those darn pyramids. So I mean, they have a film scanner in the pyramids. Yeah, sorry, they have a film scanner. They have a film scanner in the pyramids. We should shoot but, on stone. Yeah, like the Flintstones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's funny because I was I was gonna say that uh, what I love about film is the is the discipline on set and the the respect for the take. But what I hate about it is you, you're rolling the dice on your image and you don't know until it's too late if it was, you know, maybe out of focus or there's a light leak in, in the mag or whatever it might be, which, which is true. And I still feel that way, but it hadn't really occurred to me that, of course, digital can fail, too. And it, it does. And, and you don't know yeah. until later, you know, that it's happened or you lose, you know, a drive, you drop a drive and then, you know, it's hooped. I've done that. <laughs> yeah, I've done that, too. Um, so, yeah, I guess there's really no perfect system so you know you know what i should offer you guys is, 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 you, we need to have you shoot some little piece on film yeah yeah we did once <laughs> right <laughs> let's not talk about that okay uh but the uh what, what so what happens next you come back from york oh we're going back there yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is how this goes we, we, uh, we of course i wanted to chat about that of course we're going to chat about digital versus film but uh, we want to know the story as oh, well. Okay, okay, so you come well, back four well, years. Well, actually, I spent a total of about five years five years in Toronto. Okay. I also worked in camera stores in Toronto. I, oh, cool. Right after graduation, I tried to do, do a little bit of freelancing as what I could, but I worked in a photographic wholesaler. So I was actually 
uh, and this might explain my love of film too. I was the person taking the order from the company that was shooting all those Sears catalogs. Oh, and we were selling them eight by ten inch and four by five inch film for their cameras. Wow, well, you know, a single shot on a piece of four by five inch film. So I'd be going in the freezer all the time, taking the stuff out of the oh. pal. I even toured the Kodak factory where they made the stuff in Toronto. Wow, and also I, when I was in high school, I was also a projectionist in the movie theaters in Grand Prairie. When I went to Ontario, you had right. to be licensed. I forgot about this. Yeah. Yes, you had to be licensed to be in Ontario at the time. Alberta still sort of had a licensing system, but the Grand Prairie Theatres didn't use licensed guys, although I was trained by a licensed projectionist. So I went to Ontario, wrote my Ontario projectionist license. It was at the Ontario Censor Board, which is another thing I want to talk about. Um, Because we didn't have active censorship in Alberta at that, even in 1981, we weren't banning films and they were in Ontario, and I'll tell you about that in a second. So... um, at any rate, I was working in the photographic wholesaler doing what I can, and but I really knew I wanted to be back shooting, doing somehow doing camera work during the Calgary Olympics. Mm. Right. And I missed Alberta. I'm This is where I was yeah. born. This is where I'm raised. What year are we talking? So uh, basically finished university in 85, and in 86 oh, okay. I was off. It's funny enough, the camera store I used to work at in Grand Prairie, the guy phoned my parents, tracked me down, and offered me a job as an assistant manager at the camera store. Oh. And I was getting married that year as well. Right. So um, I took the job as a chance to come back home to Alberta. Nice, nice. Went back up. Married in Toronto, came back. She came out in October. We moved to Calgary in October of 86. Wow. And I worked in camera stores uh, here until I could network and everything like that. Interviewed for some full-time jobs, which I didn't get. And had an opportunity to work on a a, a short, well, a feature film uh, where Doug Monroe was the director of photography. that's great. (laughs) And uh, Richard Zawatkowicz was the director. And I was the focus puller for a run of show. Which was kind of cool. What was the movie? It's called Little Girls Don't Kill. Okay. It's mm. about hermaphroditic killers. Great. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and I remember at the time when he finally edited it, it, it ran at the Palace Theater after it had closed. I also, when I came back to Calgary or came back to Alberta, I, uh, you know, made overtures to the Projections Union because I knew this was uh, good money. Mm. And so wrote my union exams and eventually wrote my Alberta journeyman's licensing thing for projectionists so I could make money running, you know, doing theaters here. Yeah, yeah. I did all the way up to the Crowfoot 12 plex, 12 theaters at a time and used to, got to run 70 millimeter and ran the very last show at the Palace Cinema before it closed and wow. things like that. Wow. Um, but that's. Did, you, didn't, but, you never worked at the Westbrook Theater, did you? Oh, yes. <laughs> and there was a theater like right over in, in North Hill I ran, Mall. Yeah, well, I ran that theater too. Then you, yeah, you I ran me. the North, I ran Jurassic Park the, there. Wow. <laughs> the, uh, so, fuck, so this is okay. So the first, like the first time I ever realized that movies were made by people was when I was about 12, it was Star Wars episode one. But before that, my dad took me to see Ninja Turtles two in the Westbrook theater. And that was kind of our theater cause it was close. And I can't remember if it was then or a movie shortly after. That we went upstairs and met the projectionist. What? And he gave me a roll of film and it was a commercial. Yeah. I can't remember what it was for. But I kept that thing for years and I still, I didn't understand what it was. Like it wasn't a commercial because the commercial is on TV. TV. What the (laughs) hell is this thing? And and it wasn't until years later that I was like, oh, I see what I had like tucked in my drawer. But was that projectionist Phil? I mean... (laughs) It's possible. I wasn't there all the time. It's possible. No, I tended to wander around to different theaters. Right. Okay. Right. So, did you ever give a roll of film to a child? Oh, quite likely. So it's me for sure. Let's just <laughs> I don't know. Let's just commit to know. that story. <laughs> so it's it's kind of um, yeah. So then um, after I was still working, I did that feature, 
with Doug, and I also had put out feelers and everything. And, uh, and a man who I respect deeply, Brian Voss, he was a producer at what you know, CTV Calgary, but they went by their call sign CFCN. Right. And they did two half hour children's shows, uh, Mink and Muffin or something like that. And, um, he called me up and said, Hey, listen, no, you know, we've got your resume here. You want an opportunity to be the camera assistant, the sort of the, uh, best boy gaffer and the dolly grip on this thing. It's for four weeks and it's for pay. Wow. And I talked to the owner of the camera store I worked at. It used to be called here in town, Nova photo center. And I said to the owner of Nova photo, I says, Hey, I have this opportunity to, you know, do this, uh, this, this project in my field. Uh, can I get four weeks off? And he says, well, do you want to sell cameras or do you want to work in the film industry? He says, well, I, I, I need to work in the film industry. He says, okay, thank you. You're fired. <laughs> but, you know, funny enough. Decision made. I like how you said I need to work in the film industry. Yeah. yeah. And my wife uh, at the time supported this, of course. She knew me. She met me when I was in school and everything like that. And, uh, but funny enough, he hired me back for years and years and years because they had a machine that would transfer eight millimeter films and regular films, archival films to VHS and oh. people bring in their home movies. Right. Nobody wanted no. to run the machine. So, and I loved doing it. <laughs> so he paid me to do it. Wow. Oh, I, what else did I forget? Something else. Oh yeah. When I was in, uh, third year film school, a buddy of mine who was in school, I, I, uh, that same buddy and I had a photographic portrait company with another guy when I was in, in, in film school so I could make some money doing fo- portraits. Oh, great. And then another buddy who was a, a classmate of mine in film school, um, we got together and we ended up doing for pay corporate videos. Ah. And, and then in our third year, we had a homework assignment for film school to shoot a documentary. Uh, and the assignment was shoot a documentary with sound but not sync sound. Oh. oh. So he arranged and he had this brilliant idea and we all did it all arranged to shoot uh, on the swing stage on the 42nd floor of the Royal Bank Tower with the window washers. And we shot a documentary that was cut together to Vivaldi's Spring. And he's a very clever guy. He took it down to CBC once it was edited on film. And it's one film print I do have. Um, And uh, he sold it to CBC as a national filler. Oh, great. He sold it? He sold it when we were in film school. (laughs) And he's still, he's now the, one of the executive producers on The Good Witch. Right. He's a director. Wow. Uh, still, his name is Craig Price, but, and he's still working out in Toronto, but he's the executive producer on right. The Good Witch right oh, now. Cool. And uh, so that was, that was back in 84 and everything. So, and then back in Calgary in 86, and my goal was to somehow make it home to Alberta to do camera work during the Olympics. Right. That's all I wanted to do. It's just a couple of years away. And I'd done the CFCN thing, and like I say, the, the four weeks with thanks to Brian Voss. And um, when we was working on that feature with Doug Monroe, I think this was afterwards. And there was these state students there. Working there was, on the feature? There was, they were just working on the feature. Oh. And I'm there, you know, pulling focus and doing all the stuff I do with the camera, you know, to help Doug. And they would ask questions, and they said, you explain things well. <laughs> um, we have an instructor who quit. Oh. You should apply for the job. Really? So I applied for the job and huh. I got interviewed and I didn't get the job <laughs> because it turns out it was a job for a television instructor. Oh, okay. okay. But then, I don't know, five, six weeks later, I got this phone call out of the blue from the head of the department, Dr. Dick, uh, Dick Gailey. And uh, he says, yeah, you remember us? Of course, of course I remember. He says, we have a film instructor who's leaving. And when we interviewed you, we thought you were more suited for that kind of a thing anyhow. And well, there's going to be a job opening and we're not advertising it. Do you want the job? Oh, amazing. Oh, wow. So that was December of 1987. And wow. I was still... But so, the Olympics are in two months. So so hold on. <laughs> oh my God. 
So in December of 87, <laughs> I was here. Right. And um, still working as a projectionist to make a few bucks on the side. Sure. You know, just trying to do anything yeah, to, yeah. To, I used, I, to make some money. And yes, the Olympics were a little while away, or just a few months away. And I, unbeknownst to me, SAIT were, were sending basically all the film students to work on the official Olympic film. Oh, okay. And all the uh, television students were working with CTV host broadcaster. So the boss said, hey, uh, there's no classes during this period. Do what you want to do, and you're still getting paid. Oh, my God. And Doug Monroe was, of course, is a cinematographer, director of photography, and he was on the official film. And he, they were shooting on 16-millimeter film, and he had bought a Sony Betacam. Um, and he says, look, I'll make you a deal. Uh, you go shoot stuff, you know, we'll, uh, you, you, you make your wage and you pay, f- pay for the camera and we'll even swap vehicles. I, I drove his Ford Econoline and he drove my little two door Ford Escort and he's six foot seven and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and so he crams into my little car and he's off shooting the official film. And I ended up doing camera work for 10 different clients, uh, at the Olympics. Wow. I never saw one event. Oh, what were you shooting? All, well, I was shooting like. The Royal Banks, uh, they 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 were doing a one. Sh- I'll never forget this one because they were shooting air to air footage of their hot air balloon flying over the downtown Calgary. Oh, cool! So I'm in one balloon and they're in the other. Right. And the wow. whole thing was part of their promo stuff for the Olympics, and we had to shoot both the English side and the French side so that you could see downtown in the background. So we take off here, and um, we ended up uh, crash landing up near. Um, uh, 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 is there any other way to land bicycle, when you're in a balloon? Bicycle. Oh, yeah, there is. Okay. <laughs> I thought it's all crashed. Wait, but, all the way to Bicycle? Yeah, we ended up ended up in Bicycle, oh, and no. we ended up coming in at basically parallel to the ground because the wind had picked up unbeknownst ah, to us. Right. And right. I was, you, can't you like go higher and lower to get you, out of that's, that? Or, yeah, right. but you still got to come down eventually. Right, yeah, yeah. Because right. you run out of propane. propane. Right. <laughs> so we ended up coming down, and it was a little windier than we thought, and, then, and so we ended up dragging horizontally, Whoa. scooping up dirt and everything. Dirt, I'm still yeah. rolling on the camera. I've got the camera <laughs> above my head, and I'm still rolling. And uh, eventually, the guy pulls the, the cord, and he lets the hot air out of the balloon, and we everybody's safe and fine. And yeah, I turn scary. the I'm buried under the snow, and then somebody takes the camera from my hand and unburies me, and <laughs> and I turn the camera off, and it says, I'm fine, I'm fine, fine. And then I look at the footage and show it to the guy from... Royal Bank Toronto says, you're probably not going to want to use this because it's sure. Yeah. But we got the footage we needed for the, yeah. for the promo. Right, but there's right. stuff like that. Everyone just want to take a quick second out of our conversation with Phil to tell you about the Calgary Film Center. Uh, the Film Center is a world-class screen-based production facility suitably equipped and serviced so you can execute your next project with ease. They have 50,000 square feet of purpose-built sound stages and 25,000 square feet of multi-purpose warehouse and workshop spaces. Complemented by their anchor tenant, William F. White, Canada's oldest and largest provider of professional motion picture, television, digital media, and theatrical production equipment. At the Calgary Film Centre, their aim, of course, is to deliver production support for uh, screen industry projects ranging from local to national to international projects. Uh, All of this in a purpose-built venue designed to service each individual client's needs. And they deliver programs to engage and support innovation and excellence in the film and television industry. Most recently, uh, the State Film and Video Production program had their students at the film center using uh, the set that we had built for Jonesen um, for one of their projects. So it's a great training initiative uh, and the film center is so supportive of that and we, we couldn't be more thankful to them for that. So we encourage you to uh, follow the film center on all the social medias because uh, they have a lot of exciting announcements all the time and of course visit their website for more information at calgaryfilmcenter.com. All right, let's get back to our conversation with Phil. And stuff for Canada Post and Descent and uh, oh gosh, I don't even remember but they were all corporate clients. Right, right. I mean, Canada Post, it was once the, the head of the IOC, Juan Antonio Samaranc, and, and, and he, there was this Olympic stamp collection. Right, so, of course. So, of course, yeah. it's the big things. The I, president of the IOC goes to the Canada Post thing, and it was just all the coverage of that. Right, oh, sure. There was something for ARD West Germany. Um, mm. 
So it was like mostly corporate stuff, yeah. but it was all Olympic related. That's cool. And then we, I came back to Satan, and the, the cool thing was you were, as an instructor, they expect you to keep current. So I kept doing freelance work. Sure. sure. And I uh, left in December of 89 because Doug Monroe, I kept doing freelance work with him just as an assistant or, you know, gaffer or sound or whatever. And he says, there's enough work for two of us to do camera. Do you want to come work with me? Oh. So I uh, thought about talking to my wife at the time and... Uh, December of 89, I walked into the, the head of the program at SATE here, into his office and says, I have an opportunity here and I really need to do this. And uh, here's my letter of resignation. And he passed me a letter back. Okay, here's your letter of permanent appointment. You've passed your probation. <laughs> oh, <no>. oh. <laughs> well, so, okay, sorry. So I was basically on out in December of 89. Wow. Um, doing freelancing. And, and three, at, at, suddenly there was a kid coming along and... Right. Uh, it's kept doing projection work and sort of cut back a bit on the freelancing, did a lot more projection work, decided to pick up a second university degree in education. Oh, yeah, just and, a quick uh, university degree. Yeah, just, uh, just yeah. stop by. So I was freelancing in. and doing projection work and being a daddy and a husband and uh, going to university in the evening or like right. in the day to do, you know, homework till three and four in the morning, get up, you know, go to six o'clock somewhere else and yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And then um, I heard through the grapevine in, in 95 that there was another opening at eight in the film area. Hmm. Somebody was retiring. All right. Made some phone calls. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't mind. Because I had, now there was a second kid on the way. Right. Ah, yes. I wouldn't mind. Coming back. Long story short, I came back in August of 95 on contract. Wow. And uh, long, even longer story short, now I'm a permanent full-time employee here. Right, right. Still freelancing when I can. And sure. there's no projection work anymore because, right. well, films are all digitally projected. The robots are doing it for <laughs> us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, before we move on too far, I, I I you I I love how much you love film, but I love that you also don't. Uh, you're not one of like you're not like a video hater either. Because when we were at say in, in 2006, uh, Battlestar Galactica was this new show to us, obviously a remake, but uh, they were shooting video on this show, yeah, and you were you were very intrigued by the fact that a series was shooting on video. Because that hadn't really happened very much yet, right? Like there were, I yeah. guess I guess it was happening. But what was it? What were they shooting? They were shooting HD. They were shooting. That's the the thing right. they were shooting is twenty four frame HD. Right, so it right. was film people using the the, the relatively new twenty four frame HD right. cam cameras, the F nine hundreds. And I thought they were, the lighting was daring at the time. And they did this really cool thing with not only their digital effects but their handheld work. They made it appear as if it was a battlefield cameraman recording a yeah. documentary. Right, yeah. right. And that's what intrigued me a lot. Yeah. And uh, of course, I'm a Battlestar Galactica fan and a Star Wars fan and a Star Trek fan and a, a Space 1999 and Doctor <laughs> Who, right? So, but the fact that it was it was the look, it was the lighting, it was the technology, and of course, I got involved in the story of naturally. Mm -hmm. yeah. And but it was interesting because I went to a conference when you guys would have been in first year. Yeah. Uh, no, starting in your second year, I went to a conference in Vancouver on HD. And it was all about HD because I had helped put on a conference for the Alberta film and television community uh, with 350 people. And I helped organize that with Ampia uh, about the incoming HD world to oh, the Alberta okay. film and television community. Cool. Including the red camera. Uh, well, no, that wasn't, that, was even, the, that wasn't even a thing. It no? had just been announced. Right. This was all just about <clears throat> HD television oh, and how it's going to change the world. Right. And there was a big conference down at the TELUS Convention Center and we did it up at, uh, as well at Nate. And... I wanted to learn more. I said to the, uh, you know, like I helped put together this conference with some people from the industry, obviously, and Sate was a sponsor, and I ended up presenting. But uh, there was an opportunity to go to this conference in Vancouver in 
November of 2007 when you have been in the second year. That's where they shoot Battlestars in Vancouver. Well, it just, <laughs> just so happened that at that conference, I met several directors of photography, and one of them just happened to be the DP of Battlestar Galactica. Amazing. So I got a chance to chat just briefly for five or six yeah. minutes about lighting and wow. the technique and, and you know, how the camera is being used. And he's very gracious. You know, there was this dumb guy asking questions. You know, it was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But he was very gracious. Right. And it just fired me up even more. Huh. Very so cool. I ended up, I think in the summer of 2006, I had shot some stuff for an East Indian feature um, on the same camera, the 24-frame HD Sony F900. And it was some visual effects that we were framing for anamorphic and it was for some East Indian feature and, you know, we shot some great stuff and they were going back to film uh, uh, oh. for projection. So, really? and that was also the thing to shoot HD for right. features. That was the, sort of that Sin City era and all that. Right, kind of right, let's, right. let's do this. You, you know, still and, get the, still just kind of playing with that. Yeah. Whole look. So I was really curious and, and, and I've always like I've shot dramas on on video. I've shot them on Super 8. I've shot them. The only thing I haven't shot is 65 millimeter film. Someday, right, right, someday, right. someday. <laughs> so, Nolan, come back. Yeah, right. <laughs> but so, you know, no, I don't this video at all. To be perfectly honest, probably 90% of the freelance money I've ever made has been with electronic right, right. medium. Yeah, fair um, enough. You know, like I was a camera assistant on a CBC project where there were seven 16 millimeter cameras in, in, in 92 when Canada was 125 years old. Right. And there was cross country tours with Brian Adams and Sass Jordan and the Steve Miller band and X wow, cool. and extreme, the band extreme. And, you know, we were up at big Valley and there was a big concert up there and I was one of the guys loading the mags, mm. but you know, the vast majority of money has been shooting electronic right. and sure. I, and yeah. you know, Doug turned me on way back when I was in film school. He called me, he had moved back to Calgary from Toronto and he sent, sent me a phone call one day. He says, uh, you got to read this book, electronic cinematography. Hmm. It's applying film principles to video cameras huh. and how to back engineer the things like what's the ISO of the camera and what are the menus right. that make affect the look. And, and so I, I, and that's what he used to do. And I started looking at it. That's smart. We're figure out this new medium right. and make it work for you. And so that's, and I used to teach it here as well, how to, yeah. how to rate video cameras with ISOs and huh. stuff like that. So cool. no, I'm not a, I don't diss video at all. No. Um, yeah. What it was is, really irked me and still does is it's just this wholesale let's throw the baby out with the bathwater. right and when the red came out right yeah it was oh yeah, film, that's bad Whew, tui, tui. yeah that's yeah. bad but there were circumstances going against the medium as well because consumers were um taking pictures more on digital mm -hmm. and the cinema industry had decided to eventually abandon film projection right right so all those things conspired and so, you know, all the major manufacturers of cameras would say, well, we, we better put 35 millimeter sensors on cameras and tailor them to film people because mm. this is the upcoming, new coming thing. Interesting. Interesting. But, but what irked me was just this wholesale, it's bad. You, right. Film, right. film, bad, 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 bad. And it's not. No, it's a wonderful, no. beautiful medium. Yeah. It's just in the same way that paints have different types of paint. Painters use... Sure. You know, acrylics, they use oils. It's just a, a way of telling the story that makes it look and feel different. Cool. Uh, nowhere in that story, though, did we talk about CSIF. And I know that I'm you... I'm so, so sorry about <laughs> no, that. I, I'm surprised. That I love that that's the question that got us started. <laughs> yeah. Well, I okay. I love that. Okay. So because I, actually, I know you were an integral member early on. All right. I actually don't know the true starting date for me at the CSIF. Okay. I don't know if it's 86 or 87. We, I think we kind of have to go by location. So oh, where was the CSF yeah, where, location? Yeah. It was at the basement of the church. It was at the basement of the oh, church. Oh, so that was before 16. the barracks even. 
Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was at the corner of 16th Avenue and <clears throat> right. close not to Center Street, not far from here. Wasn't that their first location? That is their first right. location. And I think, I can't remember if it was late 86 or early 87, a buddy of mine, Gord Pepper, he was involved, and he's now like the, the executive director of the Saskatchewan Film Pool. Okay. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I foggy on that one, 86, 87, it's... Uh, when you, but when you came to Calgary, basically, it was right away that you joined. I didn't know about it until because I'd worked with this guy Gord at right. the camera store. Right, we right, worked right. together, right? Um, and just like I used to work with Peter Jun, who owns the camera store, <laughs> right. we all worked at the same place. Right, yeah, right. Which is kind of funny. So you had your own little film commune. Happening. And 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 Gord says, "Hey, this is this place called the Calgary CSIF?" And says, "Well, what is this? Well, this bunch of people get together and you know they make films." And says, "Oh, I want to help out in that. I, I want to be able to shoot people's films." And so I kind of wandered over there and got to know people. And I don't even remember who the executive director or the production manager was there or anything like that. But yeah, 86, 87-ish, right, right. somewhere. And we were in the basement of the church. And then we were on, I've seen all the locations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah barracks for a while. And yeah. and uh, just like at the $100 Film Festival, I didn't know about it the very first year in 92. But once I learned about it in 93, I volunteered to be a projectionist and I still am a volunteer yeah, projectionist. Yeah, you still do that. That's right. Because yeah. I love showing film on film. Because right, it goes back to the projection thing. Yeah. Wow, I love it. Wow. And yeah. it's even more so now because it's so hard to get a piece of film on film to show on film. Right. So I admire <laughs> the people who take the commitment and the money and the sweat mm. and the abuse right. for doing it. Right. Well, and you've also given so much back to uh, to the CSAF. Um and it was, it was, I think it was completely random. You, you were, you were just there dropping off some gear. You were donating to uh, the CSF. I didn't even know you would, you would be there, but there you were dropping off a, a light kit for the CSF to use that you, you know, you, you were no longer using. And, and, and I'm sure that kind of thing is, has happened throughout your career. Um, and you ha you also have a lifetime membership at the CSF. Which yes, is, I do. Yeah. Which is something very few people have. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, uh, just, you know, it's tomorrow, the Stinger Awards and, and, uh, we're excited to, to honor you and the work that you've done. Um, but I'm not getting into the speech thing now. I'll do that tomorrow night. But, uh, so what, so what's happened now in the instruction, in the instructor world and in, in, in the world of you as a filmmaker, what's, what's happened since sort of 95 or. I've, I've just, I've, through CSIF and still through freelancing, I've done as much as I can to be behind the camera as much as possible and sit in edit suites and do what I can, mostly behind the camera and just helping people get going. Right. I, that's the one thing I love about the CSIF. I've volunteered on a lot of people's projects to shoot their projects. Right. Um, a good friend of mine, Hernan Moreno, took a, a workshop I was doing on just how to expose film. And he sent me an email and um, he says, I got this script idea and uh, just, do you know anybody who might want to photograph it? And I read the script says, can, can, can I shoot it? <laughs> I would like to photograph it. <laughs> it was kind of cool. And he and I have become fast friends and he's one of my best buddies, nice. uh, you know, and that was 10, 12 years ago or something like that. And we still shoot projects together. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, we've shot digital as well. But I just like being able to help people out to get them excited about the process because I was excited as a kid. Right. And yeah, may, may, people may not want to do it as a career because it's a tough, tough career. But Pursue your passions because if you never do, you'll never know if you could have done, right. done it. And so I want to encourage people to do things. And that's what I like about the CSIF is you get all these people who have these dreams and desires and passions. And, you know, it's just nice to be able to give them that little boost 
and maybe a bit of mentoring as needed or just answer some questions because you never know where they're going to end up. They might be like you guys and have shot a couple of features and have a production company. They may end up in Toronto or, or Montreal right. or like Michael Douse or whatever or, right. they, yeah, yeah. or uh, Trevor Smith or, or John Kerr or who, who I met even before he was a student here at SAIT. Uh, oh. I met him at CSIF. Huh. Cool. So, you know, it's, it's I love being able to just help people out that way and, and encourage them and, and I guess share the the love and the excitement and the passion I have for not only film but also for filmmaking. Mm, mm-hmm. It was it, it keeps me going. Nice. <laughs> and CSIF has been a great you know venue for that because they they they're welcoming, they're supportive, they're open, they're uh, they take risks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, you never know who you're going to meet there. It's really it's quite interesting. Yeah. I like cool. the place. I've never belonged to M Media. I've never belonged oh, to huh. Quick Draw. It's only been CSIF. Interesting, because I'm more oriented toward drama and documentary right, and, right, and right. stuff like that. Versus- and and of course, you're you're a big part of the reason I think why CSIF has kept a really strong interest in the film and celluloid, celluloid itself, yeah. right? Um, which is something that it's, has never gone away. You were talking about artifact. It's uh, it's it's an important part of the the CSIF community and i think it always will be um so i guess like what's what should what should people know now about about technology and where 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 are we now what's is vr on the radar as far as filmmaking for you or or is it something else me personally i have absolutely zero interest in those kinds of things um but that's because i'm also not a gamer Right. So enough. I will freely admit that. Yeah. Uh, the last gaming system I would have actually used would be the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Okay. <laughs> and 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 the original Game Boy. Nice. That's it. Nice, That's man. the last time I used it. My Did son, they have Halo on those? What, what's that? <laughs> my son tried to get help have me on his Xbox. My youngest son wanted me to play Call of Duty, and I said, I, he, I'll try it. And he's, you know, it's the. I push a button. I don't know how these controls work. Bang, you're dead. Bang, you're dead. Bang, well, you're, you're dead. You're obviously playing the level where you're a Russian and you have to run up a hill. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what it was. But no, VR, I can see the appeal of it. Um, it's it's going to be part of the f- sort of storytelling. I think it's going to be lasting a lot longer than 3D has. Right. Because where is it now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Films are very rarely done that way. That was supposed to be the new thing even in television. But VR... Is there um, immersive? Uh, what's that one? Well, VR is AR. AR, yeah. Arti- ar- ar- uh, what's that? Um, augmented, augmented reality. Aug- yeah, yeah. Not artificial reality. <laughs> 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 augmented reality. Um, that might be something. I think it's going to be interesting, and 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 you know, it'll be my epitaph or something like that. I told you so. There'll be holographic filmmaking, if you will. That's so. That's three dimensional, almost Star Trek like holographic immersive. The ultimate VR experience where right. there's no glasses. Right. And it will, I'll be either dead and gone or very, very old when it happens, but the technology will go that way. Yeah. And that'll completely change storytelling. And the only worry would be things that there, it's enough that we have people immersed in VR and gaming so that they don't know what's going on in the real world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and I, I am a little worried about that yeah, just yeah. from a societal point of view. Sure. But as far as, Hey, somebody's got to make that content. Somebody has to photograph it. It still has to be lit. Still has to be edited. Still has to be right. written, right? And staged and all that kind of stuff. And that's where I think the long term future is. And that's the one thing that film can't do, right? Right. right. Electronic is the best way to do that, and the only way to do that. And you know, there's I know there's experiments in those areas now. So oh, sure. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but you you're drawing an interesting parallel, which I hadn't really thought about. How the idea of of the video side of the industry started to try to draw the film people over. 
yes. by tailoring video cameras to be more cine- cinematographic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I never thought about that. That's that, Because that sort of happened before my awareness of it, I never realized that, of course, video could have gone its own way and done its own thing, but it emulated some of the film side of things to to make it easier to transition or to draw those people over. Like you say, that those that same parallel is going to have to be made in the next jump into yep. whatever it is. That's very interesting. Well, here's another thing that is very, very interesting. Television, as we know it, used to be sort of like this, this redheaded stepchild. Right. right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, where is the most clever stuff being done? Absolutely. Netflix, HBO, yeah. uh, Crave, like whatever, yeah. pick some sort of streaming service. Totally, yeah. Buy film people. Yeah, who yeah. are using the digital cameras that operate the way they are used to using with film cameras. Right, right, yeah. Uh, except on Westworld, which is shot on film. But some of the most clever, innovative storytelling and the f- techniques are being done by uh, in the electronic media. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and some of it's still on broadcast television, but the rest is all the streaming. And the interesting thing is about with the streaming is you don't have to follow the sort of the set rules when it comes to how long a series is. Totally, how the commercial breaks totally. are. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so, this season of Game of Thrones is going to be very interesting. People are saying it's going to be like over 90-minute episodes for wow. only six episodes. Think, think about that from a production so, standpoint. Yeah. The organization, movie, six movies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, from a production standpoint, the the economy of scale, but also the logistics, the yeah. cost. Oh, you yeah, know, but yeah. Hey, what what was it? They, they have a third of Europe's area lights rented out when they <laughs> yeah. when they're shooting Game of Thrones. They had the DP and, and camera operator here for Story Summit a couple wow. years ago. Wow, wow! They have six um, Alexas per unit in different configurations. So when they need to go handheld, they just pick up the handheld Alexa and yeah, go shoot. Yeah, but that makes it's sense. ridiculous. But when you have it's brilliant. When you have yeah. Yeah. how many subscribers? They're totally. the, and, well, they're the, it's the most expensive thing being produced. Right and, and, and 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 uh, but you have what? How many subscribers they have worldwide? I don't One know, point yeah. something billion <laughs> sure, or whatever yeah, the hell yeah. it is. Uh, Ten ninety nine a month. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah. You just do the numbers. For sure. Yeah. They've For got sure. the money. Yeah. They've got the power. And and um, it's just. My biggest worry about that, and it's the most exciting thing when it comes to like production and that sort of the future, you know, they'll they'll find some way of making it VR or sure. whatever. They'll find some way of making extra money that way. Yeah. Well, they're doing a prequel series next, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. But yeah. there is one other thing I'm going to, and there's another thing I do stand up for. Where's our Canadian content? So true. So there, true. It doesn't yeah. exist, yeah. and they're they aren't required to do it, and they're not required in France to do French content, and they're not required. Really? You know, like huh. they're they're not required they're not covered by CRTC here in Canada because they're not a broadcaster per se. Right, the internet's and, open and free. The internet's yeah. open and free, and that's a federal government decision. Right, and you know, just it, it always irked me way back in 1987 or 88 when the federal government at the time, the Progressive Conservatives, what tried to bring in CanCon rules for cinema in in Canada, and Hollywood. Jack Valenti and his group, the Motion Picture Association of, uh, of America, threatened to pull all American content from Canadian theaters, and the Canadian government backed down. Wow. Because, because we have Canada con- Canadian content rules for radio and television, we have a strong Canadian industry that tells our stories. Right, right. We've never had that for cinema. We right. struggled to get on the screens, and we struggled to get onto uh, streaming. Now, certainly Netflix has invested in Canada. Sure. And I'm glad they have. It's providing work. Yep. Are we telling, and we're telling stories and are we telling Canadian stories? Does it have to scream, oh, Canada? No, right. not necessarily. Right. But are they stories that are written here sometimes? But where's our, the downside of that kind of thing is in whatever country they're in, people want to see a good product. 
but where's where's your own culture being reflected back to right. you? Right. That's all. Right. Yeah. Even if it was only ten percent, that would be great because you could see, you know look at the success of Corner Gas worldwide. Right. right. And yeah. it's about a small town in Saskatchewan. Well, you get somebody <laughs> you know in Otumwa, Iowa. Yeah. You know. Right. Who says, oh, oh, what's this place called Saskatchewan? Right, right. You know, you get somebody <laughs> yeah. in, in Perth, Australia. Canada, is that what Canada's yeah. like? You know, I think Kim's Convenience is doing that. Oh, I love that show. Yeah, I think that's yeah, doing I that love a little Kim's bit. Convenience. I love it too. And there's a show. Schitt's that, Creek is. I've never watched it's Schitt's Creek. Excellent. It's excellent, but it's not, I, I don't feel like it's reflective of Canadian values at no, all. No, but it's, it's a good show. It's a great done show by done by Canadians right, in right. Canada. And I, I, I really enjoy Kim's Convenience. Uh, absolutely. And uh, it's funny, there's another CBC show I watch religiously. It's called Still Standing. Oh, I've seen commercials for that. Yeah, you should watch it. it. Yeah. It's, it's about uh, uh, Johnny Harris. He's, he's on normally on Murdoch Mysteries. He plays the, the cop, the, the, the guy in uniform. He's a Newfoundlander and he goes to struggling towns all across Canada and, and does this whole half hour episode every time about what caused the struggle and how they're coming back and surviving as a town. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And you see these really cool places. And so that's us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, I'm not saying Netflix should do that. Yeah. But you know, or, or, We're not or seeing ourselves though. Or yeah, HBO point, or right. whatever. It's just a, it's a bit of an irksome thing because, mm-hmm. uh, partly because, that's going back in time. That CFCN show that Brian Voss did, two half-hour children's shows, they were CanCon. Right. And they it was paying a job. Right. And it was us. Right. And, and it helped start American my career. Show. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many other people's careers will be started getting their product right. they wrote and directed about whatever we do? What happened in in the, in the theatrical cinema side of, of – like? I remember, and I can't remember it very well now. It's been it's been more than ten years, probably. But I remember in class we watched some documentary about, that explained that Canada basically gave up the rights to sort of CanCon in theaters in exchange for the U.S. Uh, creating content that promoted Canadian tourism. Oh, I, I, I've never seen the documentary. I know who showed it to you, and even I think it was called Weird Sex and Snowshoes. Yes, 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 yes. I've never seen it. That sounds like the Dan Gaskell thing. <laughs> no, it was, <laughs> it was actually Laurie, yeah, it was yeah. Laurie Johnson. Laurie, uh, but um, I think that goes back to the late 30s or through, through the Second World War, which is why you had a lot of movies. Um, uh, there wasn't any Canadian film producers at the time, all the theaters would show American content, right? There's a lot of it. It was cheap. Um, and the government at the time, I think, said, listen, we'll let you do that as long as you have Canadian characters. So it goes all the way through to you had, uh, you know, uh, the, the films with a lot of Mounties in it. Yes, Or right. you had the original movie, The Fly, which took place, quote, unquote, in Montreal. Oh, okay. Right. And that was a homage to that kind of thing. And then I don't know where it went from there. Right. Hmm. So, but the, in, in the doc, there's a clip of uh, Jimmy Stewart in, I don't know what movie, it is, a, a Western of some sort. And somebody talks about the birds coming from Canada. And, and Jim, Jimmy Stewart takes a moment specifically to be like, oh, Canada, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, that was filling the quota. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously that doesn't even happen anymore. No, that doesn't. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't think we should be overtly. No, should, no. Like I said, we don't have to sing Oh, Canada agreed, and wave the flag agreed. and everything. It's just yeah. it would be nice to have the opportunity to have some screen space in the cinemas for people to, yes. Yes. Uh, to, to see things. I mean, I don't know if this is still true, but I believe the French – used to have a tax on every movie theater ticket, which would go into a fund for any right. American or non-French film. There would be a tax, and a portion of that money would go toward the creation of French films. Wow, cool. I don't know if that still exists, huh. but I thought That's it was a, something. that but was an idea. it's similar, yeah. though, to the broadcast envelopes that you know, yeah. broadcasters yeah. are Yeah, but at least the French to. go and see their own films. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're still going to go see, sure. you know, whatever, uh, 
Dunkirk or they're still going to go see Batman or whatever. Right, right. But uh, So uh, as we wrap up here, um, w- anything you want to cover before? No, we... I'm just having a good time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I guess the the question I would leave you with is because, you, you know, you you're so uh, encouraging of the new generations of filmmakers. Um, what would you what a piece of advice would you leave for people who may be listening to the podcast who are interested in getting started in the film industry? Pursue your dreams. Okay, you, if you want to get into the industry and this is what you want to do, do it. But realize it's it's a career and it's a long-term haul. So you have to realize it's not going to happen overnight. Mm. But never give up, ever. And any production is good experience. So take on any production you can. It doesn't matter what it is. It's all building your experience, your network. And eventually you will succeed if you have a dream, have a goal. Even if it's a five-year plan, you can always alter the plan, but if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Mm. So never give up. Pursue the dream, and just be open to doing anything. Nice, it's fantastic. It is fantastic. <laughs> I think I think you have to be a certain type of person to make it here. I think you have to be a little bit arrogant to assume that you're special, and I think you have to be a little bit stupid to right. not know how smart or how long and how hard it's going to be. Yeah, and a little bit crazy, and a little yeah. bit crazy to when you sometimes get a taste of what that journey is going to be like to proceed anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And yours my, is a lot more inspiring than mine. <laughs> <laughs> my last bit of advice, family comes first. Mm. That's part of our industry that nobody ever talks about. Right. Don't forget other people. How do you balance it? What's the, Oh, it's tough. Yeah. Because uh, for the people who go into this industry, you become absorbed, right? right. Totally. You, you get it, totally it, it absorbed. It takes everything from Absolutely. you. Yeah. Right. But you have to realize, and, and it came along, you know, once I had kids, it's like, you know what? There's other things in life. We're not doing brain surgery here. We're not saving the world. Right. Um, Grant Harvey, a, a very famous director from Calgary, he um, said, we're just the circus show. We're the sideshow freaks. That's all we are. Mm-hmm. We're the entertainers. We're <laughs> the jokers and the jesters. We're not, and, and it's an important task for sure. people to have an outlet for creativity and, sure. and humor or whatever it is. But you know what? Your family and your friends come first. And if you don't lose touch with reality and other people, and if you can balance that somehow by saying sometimes you have to say no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah, and you have to find people who are also understanding of what this industry is like. But, you know, spend time with other people, pursue your dreams, and see if you can get them infected with the excitement. <laughs> that does help if you can really drag them in. into the... <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. Neither one of my kids have anything to do with the film industry really? at yeah. all. Interesting. Nothing. No interest. They can't stand it <laughs> because they had a camera in their face all the yeah, flipping time. And none of them, neither one of them, and I doubt my grandchildren will ever be involved. So yeah, you never know. It can happen. It can happen mid career, right? Uh, well, thank you, sir. This thank has been you. great. Really appreciate that you you would take the time. This has been fun. Yeah. It's not it what I expected. <laughs> no, it never is. No. Everyone is always very nervous until we sit down and then it's like, oh, this is easy. It's just yeah. a chit chat. Yeah. yeah. And congratulations again. And yeah, we'll absolutely. see you tomorrow night. Oh, thank you. And I look forward to it tomorrow night. All right. Wow. Thank you, Phil. Um, yeah. I, it's not, you know, I, I, I don't know how many instructors we've had on. I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, well, Jason's Jason Long's of been course, on. Jason, yes. Dylan um, Pierce is an instructor now. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, um, my uh, my my mentor, the guy who got me interested in film in the first place, Stephen Ashworth. Uh, we had him on as well, and and he also left the you know ended the show with a, a great piece of advice. So so it's nice uh, yeah. to hear uh, Phil sort of doing the same, and and it's good advice. It's it uh, is good advice. It's uh, it's, it's needed advice sometimes. Uh, Sate has this. <laughs> 
thing with the application process where uh, if you're applying to get into state, they they require that you uh, reach out to a, a production company or a filmmaker um, yeah. and ask them these kind of pre-entry interview questions about the film industry. And I met with I met with someone yesterday. And I, I told him, just so you know, the purpose of this of this meeting is uh, for me to scare you away from the film industry. <laughs> He's like, it's, and I was like, it's going to be very discouraging uh, at first, but I hope by the end you'll you'll be encouraged to kind of push through. And I think a lot of that harkens back to Phil's thing, where it's like you really need the passion. Yeah, yeah, you really, it's really true. need the passion to it's do true. it. Uh, this guy seemed like he actually did have it. I think I think yeah, he'd be a good candidate. Nice, but yeah, so. Uh, all right, let's get into the news you can use. Yes, presented by Bleeding Art Industries, who uh, comes with a, a tip every week. Um, though this uh, this week, uh, uh, sort of a note of sadness um, about a uh, and memories of a friend and colleague who recently left us. Alan Poole, a very funny, curmudgeonly talented special effects artist and one of the UK technicians who worked on The Empire Strikes Back, Indiana Jones, and The Last Crusade. And Who Framed Roger Rabbit passed away last month, far too young. It is a reminder of those who have come before us, breaking new ground and passing on their skills and expertise. We would do well to recognize those who have hired us, taken the time to open doors for us, and pass on their knowledge. Every generation often seems to think that they're the ones who have introduced certain things, but often someone has already done it before them or at least laid the groundwork for us to spring from. Say thank you, send an email, recognize the contribution they've made. Unfortunately, we didn't have the chance to do this with our friend. Thank you, Alan. You will be missed. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's great advice. And, and I think, it, you know, it, this harkens back to what we were talking about earlier about Phil being that torch, right? And then yeah, lighting yeah. the way for people. And, for and sure. Alan, of course, was one of those people as well. Um, who who uh, would you send a thank you to right now? Uh, you know, who comes to mind is, uh, and I don't want to spoil it and we haven't even talked about it, but our next episode is episode 100. And I've always kind of thought that that might be great to have Murray Ord, who's been a great support to us. Um, so maybe we'll get him on episode 100. I don't, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, he, I mean, he's luckily, I, I do get to thank him regularly. Um, right. and he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely broken some huge ground. If you, we, we went to his David Billington award. Um, and, uh, and he's got a resume and, and yeah. the, the, the chops to, uh, to certainly be one of the groundbreakers in our community. Yeah. Mine, I think would be, uh, Jason Long. You know, he was the one who pushed me to, to write synapse in the first place, which, right. which was part of what got us into the features first program. Totally. Which is part of what, what launched my career. Um, and I, you know, you need people to push and, and I've always got Briar there to, to push me when it's uncomfortable, but I think I needed, um, someone that I, you know, perceived as a veteran in the industry to, to give me that kind of a push to say, just fucking do it, man. Like just write something. Right, right. Um, I'll never forget that conversation. It was at, it was at, uh, a bar in Crowfoot. Um, not the keg, but whatever that bar is Hudson's. Huh. And, uh, yeah, I was sitting by the window and he, and there's, I don't know why, but it just lit a switch for me. And, uh, you know, I'll be forever grateful to him for for pushing me to do that. It, totally, it's yeah. a really good point. He, he and uh, he did the same for me. I think he, yeah, he had a way of uh, motivating, which yeah. was very good. And you know, in his own kind of curmudgeonly yeah. way, like yeah, you know, and not had, it, it, has. It, in fact, it breaks down the has yeah. in the in the present tense because I, I was just at the CSIF uh, the other night, and he was doing his he was teaching his, his screenwriting, screenwriting workshops, class. Yeah. 
And uh, and I was like, man, yeah, look, there's so many people in this class. He's motivating and pushing them. Totally. Not to mention that he instructs at SAIT as well. And there's classes. And he's, in, he's, he's doing uh, production workshops, production right. labs this now at SAIT true, yeah. too, and uh, supposedly doing very well. So yeah. if you can find this guy, Jason Long, or this, this guy, Murray Ord, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, ask them for a coffee and pay for it. And Phil Letourneau. And Phil Letourneau, um, say thank you and uh, pick their brains because they've got decades of wisdom to share. No doubt. Oh my God, this is going to be a long episode, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get into some some news you can use. Upcoming deadlines. Uh, we talked about this at the top of the show about the government of Alberta launching um, this uh, Artists Month. Um, and the, along with that is this Artists in Residence program. Um, each year, an Alberta-based artist will be selected through a public competitive process to act as an advocate and promoter of the value of artists. They will also visit communities across the province to lead conversations on the role of artists and arts in society. Um, I love this. It's so it's so great and so important. Um, so to apply to be Alberta's first ever artist in residence, um, by first ever, I mean, of course, with this program, yes. uh, visit the new Alberta Artist in Residence application webpage for more information. Uh, the deadline is not listed, but the successful artist in residence will be announced in January. So that's alberta.ca. Um, yeah, and a long URL. So check the show notes for that. Um, but, you know, it's especially poignant in the film community. You can, you know, you have an opportunity here to promote film as art, but mm-hmm. also film as industry uh, and something that can, you Definitely. know, make some money and, and, you know, hire filmmakers and artists to uh, pursue their passions and their craft. Mm-hmm. Every year at Banff, there is, uh, there, there, uh, you know, it's a Banff, the Banff World Media Festival's pricey endeavor to, uh, it is. to engage. It in. is. Uh, the ticket alone is, uh, is a heavy cost. Uh, there's also travel, accommodations, food while you're there. Um, and, uh, and beers. Yeah, of course. And, and you're buying the beers. Uh, not, you're not the one you're pitching to. Uh, so, uh, the, so in, I think Banff knows this and has in the past few, four or five years or so has sort of started to introduce kind of these, uh, what would you call them? Programs or, or, yeah, or yeah, yeah. yeah, sort of some of them include your travel and accommodation, um, but certainly your pass. And this year, they're going even bigger, um, and they've partnered with Netflix to launch the 2019 Diversity of Voices program designed to offer a jumpstart and accelerate careers and projects for 100 Francophone, Indigenous, and female creators across Canada. So that's Awesome. Yeah, that's crazy. So, awesome. So up to 100 beneficiaries will receive full access to Banff uh, with the full registration package, an interactive workshop at the festival, and participation in, special, uh, in a special showcase and networking event at Banff. Um, and 25 of those participants will uh, be identified based on the merit of their projects and development for the designated DOV pitch program and will also receive an individualized pitch prep session uh, with a mentor to vet your project. Uh, oh, so this before ready, Banff. Yes, yeah, so that you're ready to, to pitch and private uh, face-to-face pitching opportunities with up to three international development executives. And there it is, the $1,500 uh, travel stipend, uh, so you can get yourself there if you're oh my God. nearby. Yeah. This is awesome. Very cool. And yeah, I mean, 100 is crazy. 100, That's yeah. amazing. That's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, deadline for uh, entries is coming right up, though, uh, November 30th, so check out the link in the show notes for more information. Uh, story high. We've talked about this a little bit, uh, but the, the indigenous edition continues. Um, when is the deadline for this coming up? Uh, so apply by December 4th. So if you're an, an indigenous creator residing in BC and Alberta, this is your chance at $20,000 to share the story you've been aspiring to tell. Uh, and of course, as has been the case with story Hive, um, in the recent past, uh, they provide each awarded team with customized career training, mentorship, and distribution on select TELUS platforms. Um, 
So 20 indigenous-led screen-based projects will be selected up to 10 minutes in length. There will not be voting. Uh, instead, the projects will be selected by an all-indigenous uh, jury. Uh, so it's really exciting uh, if you're an indigenous filmmaker. Um, you can put a, put an application together now. I, I would hope that you've started already uh, because the deadline is December 4th uh, at 12 p.m. Pacific time. So go to storyhive.com for more information on that. Uh, very cool opportunity for a, uh, for one screenwriter. The TIFF CBC Film Screenwriter Award is open for submissions right now. This award, uh, includes a, a $15,000, uh, award for the development of the submitted feature film project. Cool. Um, which is, uh, which is, you know, kind of, uh, the amount of money you need to, to really properly develop a project. People don't realize that develop the development phase takes money and uh that's a pretty accurate amount i'd say kind of right yeah that's a sweet spot not for sure. not not huge but yeah good. but you can turn you can turn that into if you're listening and you want to apply to the alberta media fund you can yeah. turn that into your final draft third party that's a investment good point. that's a good to get point. more money from the alberta media fund to good scott uh, westby hack there yeah that's a little producer <laughs> Producing trick. Uh, so this is open to the entire country, I believe. So uh, yeah, although you do have to be uh, female, indigenous, or belong to a visible minority, or identify with a disability. Okay. Okay. Um, um, you're also going to get mentorship from a script consultant, mentorship from TIFF's programming team, uh, complimentary accreditation to the 2019 Toronto International Film Festival, and accreditation for TIFF's industry conference, which we've done and is actually very cool. It's super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I asked. I asked a question to producer about risk. And she had she had a great answer. She was like, "No, we don't take any." Right? Yeah. She was like, she worked for a broadcaster, I think, and she was a content producer. She's like, I, "My job's on the line if I take right, a risk right, on a project." Right. Like, wow. That's why studios bet on the sure thing. Hmm. Um, yeah. So it's a it's actually a great conference actually, and some really honest uh, answers. Yeah, we had, yeah. yeah. I remember we had, there was a pretty high level executive who spoke and just said. No tweeting, no recording. Yeah, this, this and is, I'll be honest with you guys. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. kind of off the record. It was very cool. of silent stuff. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Uh, so the applications for this uh, opened already, November 5th, and yeah, they close on December 5th. That's right. Winner will be announced on or after January 31st, 2019. Did you get a pretty quick response? Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Uh, this is something that I think I'm going to apply to. Uh, the government of Canada has an export funding uh, application that is open. Organizations owned and controlled by Canadians are eligible to apply for projects directly impacting such creative industries as audiovisual, audiovisual and interactive digital media. So the deadline is coming up for this December 7th. You can apply to get some money for um, marketing or going to film markets or exporting your project or your product, however you want to see a film. Um, but yeah, I think it's maybe a good uh, thing for in plain view. Um, if you've got a film that you're trying to get out into right, an international right. market, you can get some marketing dollars to actually put towards, Very you know, cool. whatever you want. Uh, so yeah, that's a cool opportunity um, for producers and uh, in the industry. So definitely check it out. Link in the show notes or www.ic.gc.ca and hopefully there's a link to follow that. <laughs> Again, that's called the Government of Canada Export Funding. I'll make uh, this one very quick because it comes up a lot, which is awesome. Um, it is the NSI Online Short Film Festival with a deadline of December 7th uh, to get your under 30 minute uh, short film, drama, comedy, animation, documentary, sci-fi, horror, music, video, experimental, all eligible uh, but must be made by a Canadian writer, director, or producer, and uh, you can you can actually submit films that have that were completed after January first, twenty thirteen, which is very cool. There's also a one thousand two hundred and fifty dollar Annie Short Filmmakers Award for Best Film, which is great. Again, that deadline is December seventh. Check out the link in the show notes for more information. 
The Gil Cardinal Legacy Fund uh, is now open for submissions. So this was established in 2016. I believe we were talking about it uh, when it was happening. Uh, and it's designed for Aboriginal filmmakers to um, give them uh, $2,500 toward the preparation of a professional demo or sizzle reel to help a project that they've got in development. Um, so Heather Hatch won it in 2016. Daniel Foreman, who we talked about earlier on the show, he won yeah. in 2017. Um so you can be developing a feature film, a short film, a documentary, uh, a web project, mobile or television. Um, you must be an emerging Aboriginal producer or director who has resided in Alberta for the past two years. Um, all the application uh, information is uh, at ampia.org. You can find out more about it. Uh, and the submission is coming up on December 14th. So I would uh, apply to that if you're eligible. The FAVA POV scholarship is uh, now open for applications. Um, the deadline to apply to this is January. Uh, well, actually, there, there are a few different things. Let me not get ahead of myself. The Film and Video Arts Society of Alberta is offering the film study scholarships to improve access. Many people have talents that go unrecognized or underutilized. Barriers to inclusion, such as socioeconomic status, ethnicity, gender, age, national origin, disability, sexual orientation, education, and religion are varied and sometimes keep people from participating and con- in and, con- and contributing to the arts. If structural barriers and circumstances like these are preventing you from pursuing your filmmaking aspirations, FAVA's POV scholarship program might be a resource for you. This includes a one-year FAVA membership, tuition fees for one of FAVA's media arts programs, and they're currently accepting applications for intro to screenwriting, uh, and that deadline to apply is January 19th. The main course, which is where you make a, a, a film, um, uh, and it's that's the advanced version. That deadline is January 25th, and then the sort of newcomer version, beginner version of making a film called Video Kitchen is January 25th as well. Uh, so uh, check out the link in the show notes to uh, apply. Uh, there is a festival coming up. It is called the Giraffe Festival of Independent Animation. It's put on by Quick Draw Animation Society, and Giraffe is spelled G-I-R-A-F, and it stands for the Giant Incandescent Resonating Animation Festival. This was established in 2005. I didn't realize it was so old. Um, it's an annual animation festival that runs each November at the Globe Cinema in Calgary. Uh, and it celebrates the spirit of independent underground and experimental animation, showcasing Canadian animators and presenting diverse animations from around the globe. So there's a lot going on um, over this four-day festival. It's starting uh, yesterday, so it's on right now as we record this. All right. Um, you can find out more and uh, get some tickets and check out some really cool animation stuff um, at Giraffe fest.ca so it's g-i-r-a-f fest.ca the edmonton arts datathon uh november 23rd 24th and 25th uh are you someone who loves to explore data and wants to do good for the community then join us for this event where we will examine a wide range of data from the arts community in alberta the uh, the alberta foundation for the arts edmonton arts council and uh, edmonton community foundation are participating in the event meaning the analysis you do will be shared directly with major funders and policymakers. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm not sure I, I fully understand it. Are, they, are you the data source? I think are they, you're, no. Um, are, you, are, you, are you going and I think you're giving going your mi- opinion? I think you're mining data. Are you doing the data? I think you're doing the mining. Okay. Um, well, there's a networking reception to discuss how data can be used. This is happening tonight, Friday, November 23rd, to improve our community, introducing Edmonton Arts Council and the and Alberta Foundation for the Arts. And then tomorrow, Saturday, the 24th, an in-depth discussion and analysis of data from the Alberta arts sector. Oh, so maybe maybe it's more about just learning the data. Maybe they've kind of gone through it and you're you're getting all the info which you can take back to governments or, right, or right. financiers or whatever that might be. Because right. Sunday, November 25th is presentations from analysts and artists. Come see the results. Join for any parts that interest you. 
Very interesting. That is a, that is a way to be cutting edge is to really get data at the source, yeah, <laughs> right? Instead of waiting yeah. for someone else to figure out what it means. Certainly. You can you can uh, figure that out for yourself and then present that to people and then you become the expert on that subject. So hmm. very cool. Alrighty. So tickets to that are on Eventbrite. Uh, link to that in the show notes. We talked about this at length. The Stinger Awards, uh, the CSAF's inaugural first annual uh, film awards are happening tomorrow night, the 24th of November, Saturday. Uh, the event itself is from 6.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. And then uh, there's an after party at Swans in Inglewood. Uh, tickets are on sale right now. They're only 20 bucks. You can find them on eventbrite.ca or bit.ly slash the Stinger Awards. That's right. Um so yeah, buy a ticket and I don't know uh, if, we'll see that. I don't know if we've said on the show, if you don't know what a stinger is on a film set, oh. it's an extension cord. Super <laughs> it's fun. an AC cable. Uh, so when someone says, hey, hey, grab me a stinger on uh, on the film set, uh, they're re- basically referring to uh, uh, an extension right. cord. <laughs> the, uh, but the metaphor, the metaphor <laughs> makes sense here in, in this case. I, I, I like the metaphor. <laughs> I also like the trophies. I'm not going to say what they are. But yeah, I, I I just love them. They're gonna be I cool. I cannot wait to see They're them live cool. and in person. Um, so yeah, just coming on, coming down. We'll, we'll be there. Uh, say hi. Uh, buy a, a scene stealer from made by Brett Furster. Delicious cherry whiskey sour. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, and we'll have some fun. Uh, Appa, sponsor of the show, is putting on a industry mixer. Um, hold, uh, it's a non-seasonal, non-festive Egg- <laughs> eggnogless <laughs> Xmas uh, Xmas Christmas music-free. Uh, mixer in Edmonton on Thursday, November 29th. <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. So it's a Christmas party that is not a Christmas party. It just happens to be in, in the November, Christ- in the holiday, in the holiday uh, season yeah. time zone um, with special guest Mark Ham, executive director of Cultural Industries. Cool. Uh, that is uh, that is the new sort of head honcho over at uh, the Alberta Film World. Um, uh, he'll be available to chat, and the evening will include pro tips on the new post-production grant online process. The Mixer running from 5 to 9 p.m. at the Branch for the Arts and Culture in the CKUA building. Uh, Jasper Ave will include snacks from Kalina, one free drink, and door prizes. So RSVP by by email uh, before Sunday uh, events or or, or by Sunday events at at albertapost.org is where you want to RSVP. Uh, Cuff Docs, their sixth annual event is coming up November 28th to December 2nd. This is all happening at the Globe Cinema. So if you just hang out at the Globe, basically you'll you'll be there for giraffe. Giraffe will end. Wait a couple of days, and then you'll have Cuff Docs, which is happening uh, from again again November twentieth to December second. Tickets are ten bucks for general admission, uh, eight dollars for Cuff members, students, and seniors, or you can buy a multi pack for forty bucks. Um, super cool stuff. Lots of lots of awesome uh, content to go watch. Some great docs you can go see. CalgaryUndergroundFilm.org. Uh, encourage you to check it out and go watch some stuff. Heck yes. Yeah. Uh, jumping into the upcoming film screenings, uh, for some reason I thought I missed this. Maybe I was. I thought I missed it too, but it was the Edmonton screening. It was. We did miss the Edmonton screening of of this. Was it last night? I thought it was last night. Anyway, the there's a there there is the Calgary uh, premiere of Hashtag Roxy, uh, Alberta filmed feature, and it's going to be making uh, its debut here in in Calgary on Monday night at the Globe uh, at six thirty p.m. Um, it is a modern retelling of the Cyrano de Bergerac, um, uh, story, uh, from what is that? Spesh? Spesh? I don't know that. I thought I was cultured, but apparently not. Um, Ampia members of Mosaic, uh, Entertainment is screening in support of Gift Girls in Film and Television, a nonprofit committed to giving girls hands-on instruction and experience in filmmaking, which is a great, uh, cause to support, um, for a film that is, uh, uh about kind of young people, uh, in, in love. Spesh 
Spesh is uh, it's a place to escape, relax, and connect. What is spesh? I've Googled this know. and it said, did you mean speech? <laughs> and I was like, no. Is that the person who wrote it? I'm, I'm just sounding more ignorant, I think, the more I, I talk about it. But they have a newsletter. This is, this is you're, you're really, we've broken the fourth wall of the podcast here. <laughs> yeah, and we're just Googling this. <laughs> Create your own customizable experience and share who you are with the world. They're, they're promoting hashtag Roxy. Find hashtag Roxy on Google Play, iTunes, They're promoting Amazon. hash. Okay, so it is related. Maybe. It is related, yeah. Um, huh. I think they're a... From here Spesh. we go. Spesh. Oh, is it maybe a distributor? Or? Oh, man. Right, we're we're going to find out about this. <laughs> we're going to have to chat with the folks at Mosaic Entertainment to find out what Spesh is. Yes. The but whole, if you can tell us, if you're listening, yes, and you find yes. out what the hell Spesh is. You win an award. You win Not a, a Stinger award. No. We will buy you a chocolate bar of your choosing less than $10. Uh, uh, hilarious stand-up comedian and writer, Tony Binns, Calgary resident, is going to be at the screening. I assume, I don't want to hold him to that, but I, I would imagine he'll be there. Um, and uh, I'm sure some other folks from the film will be there as well if you want to uh, chat with them about how they got this feature made. Um, so that's very cool. Let's move on to upcoming workshops and classes. Yeah, we've talked a lot about education, and here are some hardcore opportunities to get some. So there's an intro to editing workshop happening in Edmonton uh, at Fava. It's a free-for-all workshop, which means it is free for all oh. Fava members. But there are only eight spots in these workshops. Uh, the instructor is Holly Mazur. Or Mazur. I'm sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, which I did because I pronounced it two different ways. Uh, this is happening. <laughs> but you're guaranteed no- to get it right. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, actually, maybe not. <laughs> uh, this is happening on November 25th uh, from 1 to 5 p.m. Um, spaces are limited, as I said, so you can call Fava. Or uh, send them an email to book your spot. Uh, and that's that. StoryHive seminars are happening across uh, Alberta. And uh, this is uh, a cool um, endeavor that StoryHive uh, yes. jumps into pretty regularly, which is to reach out to some of the less uh, um, dense film right, areas yeah, like Calgary, it, yeah. Alberta, a little bit of Lethbridge, a little bit of Red Deer. Edmonton. Um, this is about getting sort of film resources into the hands of people in Lethbridge, Medicine Hat. Uh, Fort McMurray and Grand Prairie. So if you're interested in uh, attending one of these events, doesn't mean you can't drive over there if you want to, but obviously these are targeting sort of some of these smaller sure. areas. The young Phil Letourneau's up exactly. in Grand Prairie. Grand, Grand Prairie, Prairie uh, born uh, filmmakers <laughs> for sure. Uh, you're going to want to uh, head to Lethbridge on November 28th, Medicine Hat on November 29th, Fort McMurray on December 5th, and Grand Prairie on December 6th. Attendance is free, but you do need to register uh, for your lo- uh, preferred location, and uh, spots are limited, of course. This is going to be a, a, a day or so uh, all about um, uh, you know, getting your film made, getting down to business is what they're calling it. And you've got uh, people from Propeller Studios, Centerpin Media, Jump Studios, uh, and the Alberta Media Fund speaking at these events. Did you know that uh, Google Home pronounces Grand Prairie Grande Prairie? <laughs> as well it should. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get it out of my head because I was like, awesome. we, we put the podcast on when we leave our dog alone so that she has right. human voices. So sure. we're like, put on the podcast. And she's like, okay, playing Rue Jones from Grande Prairie on the other. <laughs> I, I, so now I can't, I can't of not course, hear that. I can't hear they that. They must have head. good tacos. Now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every month, um, IATSE Local 212, which is the um, technical union in Calgary, puts on a set etiquette and protocol course. Uh, you end this one day course with a ticket and that is uh, your ticket to, you know, it's your, the basic requirement that you need to get into a union in Alberta, uh, whether that's IATSE or the Directors Guild of Canada or what have you. So this is, uh, I think it's only a four hour course. Uh, it starts at 6 p.m. Oh, it's three hours only. Come on. 
uh, super easy. And just an introduction to um, what it is, what a film set is and how you, you know, what your first day is going to be like when you arrive at a film set for the first time. Uh, it's instructed every month by Gail Kennedy, uh, one of the best makeup artists and best filmmakers in Alberta. Uh, this month is no exception. She will be there on December 5th at 6 p.m. Tickets are 40 bucks. Um, you can Google it, IATSE212, um, set etiquette and protocol to find the link, or you can find the link in the show notes as well. Jason Long comes up yet again, and I, and we didn't even know that he's also because he's prolific. He sure is. You yeah. know what? What's happening at Edmonton right now, started yesterday, is the Edmonton Grey Cup Festival. Not that we haven't gone on enough tangents, but right. uh, Grey Cup happening, Calgary Stampeders, uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks or whatever. No, it's the season maybe. finale of football. It's That's right, yeah. of Canadian football, so right. a smaller audience. But uh, Jason Long is the voice of the Shaw commercial promoting this. Have you caught this no. on TV? He, no. uh, he is, uh, and it's, <laughs> It's heartwarming. It's touching. Uh-huh. It's it's talking. He talks about how the the home of where we installed our first shot customer back in nineteen something or other, uh, and it's his voice. And uh-huh. and I said I I I sent him like just lines from it, and he's like, I haven't seen it yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, this is screenwriting with Jason Long. This this time put on by a company of rogues, which uh, is interesting because uh, normally a uh, uh, an acting sort of school. Um, maybe the best we have in, in Calgary, I, I, I would venture to say. Um, but this is for screenwriting. So sort of venturing out into uh, some of the more of the filmmaking um, uh, behind the camera stuff. Uh, participants learning the essentials of screenplay craft, story, structure, plot, character conflict, and theme, and apply uh, those things to a project they wish to develop. Writers will have opportunities to share their own work and receive feedback if they so choose. Uh, what are the uh, what are the differences between writing for film and writing for television? What is a plot point? How does one get scripts into the hands of producers? These topics and many more will be covered in this intensive course. This is Saturday's uh, December eighth to March second uh, for two hours, two thirty to four thirty p.m. for ten weeks. Uh, no classes on December twenty second, uh, and and also not on the 29th, A little break for Christmas there. Uh, and and Jason Long is the host. Uh, this is unbelievable. This is great, and because he's got two screenwriting workshops coming up with the CSIF as well. He's teaching one right now, and he's also an instructor at State. Yeah. How how did he do that? He's he doesn't stop. He's just relentless. <laughs> I um, will teach this entire <laughs> province screenwriting. Um, I'm just trying to see if there's a price, and I think there is. If I, yeah, so 425 for the uh, for the whole run. Remember that's ten week course. Yeah, yeah ten weeks uh, from January 12th to March 16th. It looks like uh, on their website. So uh, check out the link in the show notes for some clarity on that. Uh, maybe there's oh there's probably more than one happening actually now that I think about it. So anyway, check out the link in the show notes that has all your details. Okay, what's shooting? Uh, there is a TV series shooting in Calgary called The Secret History of the Wild West. Uh, that is going to camera November 26th next week, and it will be running until April 26th. So we'll be hearing a lot about this. Yeah, I don't know anything about this. Uh, of course, D- Tenfold, the Disney feature, um, which is shooting uh, right now until December, and then we'll come back after Christmas for uh, about a month uh, from January 9th to February 14th. And a new web series called Ming Dynasty that is shooting for 12 days, uh, starting December 3rd up to the 15th. Um, cool. Yeah, those are great. And if you've got anything shooting, uh, let us know. Right on. Okay, we get to the time that we never planned for, the recommendations section. You've got you've got one, though. I'll just tell. make I, it simple. It's going to be the Stinger Awards. Damn it. You know, uh, a lot of people put a lot of work into this event. I, I hope people show up. Um, I know people are probably sick of hearing about it this episode, but uh, check out uh, check out the links uh, in the in the show notes if you would like to join us. We'd love to see you there. I agree. I would, I would also recommend the Stinger Awards. All right. Um, <laughs> you know, speaking from someone who was not on the committee, 
uh, Matt has put a ton of work into this, um, as has the entire committee. But uh, you know, just being being you know a, a, the production company executive producer co-founder with with Matt, I know how much time he's been spending on this, um, and it's going to be one hell of a good time. So yeah, we'd love to see you all there. Yes. Okay, so we promised that we would let you know how to reach out and get in touch with us at the end of the show. Here is that moment. (laughs) Thank you for your patience. How can they get in touch with us if they have anything they want to chat about? It's uh, via email at hello at abfilmcast.ca and then at abfilmcast on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and also on SoundCloud. Um, And now that we're on Spotify, I don't know if you can rate us there. Yeah, I think you can, actually. I'm going to go find it right now. You should give us a a, a nice high rating and uh, help us get uh, find some new audience, um, if you would. Um, uh, And as well, the same is true. We're on iTunes. You can you can rate us there. It does make a difference to help people find the show. It really does. It it helps it percolate and bubble up. And uh, yeah, it helps people find discover us uh no i don't think you can rate it on oh, no? spotify i'm on there right now look at all these episodes man there's almost like, 100 boom, of all these there. yeah it's there's great. like 98 <laughs> of these on here uh big thanks to briar chad Britt, and seth who uh help make the podcast a reality every week and if you're an alberta fu- uh, filmmaker this podcast is foreign about you so be sure to let us know if you have any uh any questions ideas if you've got an event if you've got a shoot let us know we want to share that uh if you are a member of our community Thanks for sticking around for this whole episode. We know it was a long one, um, but you know there's a lot of great information to share and some great conversations that were had. Uh, we do have one final message from our sponsor, the Alberta Post-Production Association. Strongly encourage you to hang out and listen to the best-sounding moment of the <laughs> podcast. And after you've done that, go, go make something. The Alberta Filmmakers Podcast is proudly sponsored by APA, the Alberta Post-Production Association. APA represents technical and creative professionals working behind the scenes in editing, sound, and visual effects. Our members live here in Alberta and support producers with expertise in picture editing, color grading, graphic design, compositing, audio post, music scoring, and so much more. For more information about post-production, visit APA online at albertapost.org.